things backwards. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of Roundabout Sports, presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media, where our passion is our profession. I'm the maestro, Jeremy Carp, and on my right side is Hollywood James Knox, a man who is thankful that baseball season is almost over, so he can finally take a rest from being <laughs> in a hard-working empire. <laughs> I was wanting to see where you were going with that. I was like, wait a minute, I'm not over. I'm not, no, I don't want it to be over. <laughs> yes, I do need a break. <laughs> I was say, you, you whine and grind literally every single week and just hoping and praying that a foul ball doesn't conk you in the head, the other head. Um... <laughs> it's true. These are true. Uh, yeah, which I've had both happen in the last week. So anyway. <laughs> uh I was actually, to be honest with you, and this goes right in with the topic of uh, our uh, our show tonight, I was really, 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 really praying for rain tomorrow night because I'm not going to get to watch the game live. Ooh. Well. Such is the life of an official. That's I what know, DVRs right? are for. Exactly. It's, it's 2022. Um, most people just use the DVR anyway, so they'll manage. Whoever's watching this, though, if I get a text message from you about that game in any form or fashion until I get home or get a chance to watch it, I know where you live. I'm just saying. Well, there goes what I was going to do tomorrow. <laughs> <afternoon>. um, <laughs> so, James, we got an amazing show tonight. Folks, last week, James and I uh, previewed the NFC as the 2022 NFL season is upon us. In fact, tomorrow night is... The very first game, hallelujah, very first regular season game as the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams take on the predicted top seed of the AFC Buffalo Bills. And honestly, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it for many reasons. Number one, I'm just a football-aholic, basically. Right. But two, you know, you want to see – a, if the Rams can repeat that success they had. I mean, that's something you want to see, being, you know, the Rams guy. Right. Um, and for me, all offseason, you know, for the past few years, the Chiefs have been known as the powerhouse of the AFC. But there has been a lot of talk about these uh, Buffalo Bills. You know, Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, Ed Oliver, Tredavious White. I mean, this is a loaded team that should not be taken lightly. I expect this to be a very high scoring game tomorrow night. Um, I really think it's going to be a, a, you know, just a, a showdown in the wild West saloon. You know, I, I really, I feel that you're going to see both offenses are going to look sharp and be able to execute. And there's a couple, you know, obviously for the Rams, Jalen Ramsey had off season shoulder surgery. Uh, he looks to be back. Uh, the thing that hurts the Bills in their secondary is Tredavious White has been ruled out for tomorrow night's game. But 
you know, they lose a defensive weapon and the Rams lose an offensive weapon as Van Jefferson is out for tomorrow night's game. So I kind of say that's a that's a, a draw, you know, it comes out in the wash. But you're looking at two explosive offenses. You mentioned uh, Josh Allen, Dawson Knox, who got a four-year extension earlier today. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs. The Diggs-Jalen Ramsey matchup is going to be interesting. We'll see if Jalen Ramsey's in midseason form with his trash talking. Um, yeah. You know, and then, you know, you look at, the fact that Von Miller is taking on and coming back to, you know, the team that uh, he won a Super Bowl with last year, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of matchups in that game that are going to make that certainly must-see TV. And finally, you know, I know last year Dallas-Tampa Bay was a great kickoff game, but, man, do you have one hell of a matchup for, you know, Thursday night kicking things off, and then you go into the weekend and you've got Dallas and Tampa Bay again as the Sunday nighter. I'm telling you, the primetime schedule this year, you know, outside of tomorrow night's game, man, is one that is going it's, it's, it's to be messy TV every Thursday night. And the interesting thing about it is that tomorrow could possibly be a Super Bowl preview. You know, you don't hear a lot of talk lately about the Cincinnati Bengals and the chances for them to make it back to run it back to the Super Bowl again to be the AFC champs. And I think a lot of it also stems from the fact that many people feel that they squeaked by the chiefs. Right. Um, and cause to me, game of the year, 100%, no doubt about it. Chiefs and bills, uh, divisional round last year. Yeah. Nothing tops it. Um, one of the greatest games we've seen in years in general. Um, cause for Buffalo to go into Arrowhead in the postseason. And literally be 13 seconds away from heading to the championship game, the AFC title game, is just unreal. Any other quarterback but uh, Patrick Mahomes, I don't see it happening. Right. And, and you know, I, you, you can't really say the, the Bengals squeaked by the Chiefs. I mean, that was just one of those games where it seemed like the Bengals defense had an answer for everything Patrick Mahomes tried to do. And, you know, even then, his offensive line did not protect him very well during that game. He scrambled, he scrambled, he scrambled, and it seemed like they had a, a spy on him. One of the linebackers would come up and spy Mahomes, and it just kind of shut down that aspect of things. Now, you could also look at some of the questionable play calling in that. I know uh, Chiefs fans were not necessarily happy with Andy Reid in his play calling in that game. But, you know, we, we talk about coaches, and, and it goes to be said for football, baseball, hockey, whatever it is, you know, the coach puts you in that position. It's up to you to execute. And, you know, that was just one of those games where they didn't execute very well and the offensive line kind of let Patrick Mahomes down. But you're right. There's not a whole lot of talk about the Bengals. Uh, I still think that they're atop that division, and we'll get into all that stuff later. But I don't – there's just – there's still a lot of question marks when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, especially on the defensive side. Absolutely. Well, before we get to our – Team by team preview. Yes, and that's the thing, folks. We're going team by team, division by division of the AFC tonight. And you can definitely go back and check out last week's episode where we did the same thing for the NFC. You can find it on our YouTube channel at Interstate 70 Sports Media. You can find it on Twitter, on uh, our Facebook page for both Roundabout Sports and Interstate 70 Sports Media. But before we get into all the football talk that there's going to be so much of, there has been, over the past 24, 48 hours, some of the craziest, craziest stuff backstage in All Elite Wrestling that you could be 
imagining for a while that a month ago, hell, a year ago, you couldn't imagine this happening. So a little bit of the backstory. And, you know, James, I definitely want your point on this, your opinion. So basically what ended up happening was after CM Punk retained or he won, he became the undisputed AEW world champion, basically. Um, he had a post-show press conference. And to put it lightly, he talked a lot of shit on quite a few people. Some of those people included Kenny Omega and Nick and Matt Jackson, the Young Bucks, who all three of whom are executive vice presidents of All Elite Wrestling. And CM Punk basically said that these guys couldn't, uh, for they couldn't manage a target, for lack of a better way of putting it. And you would think that, you know, talking your smack, saying stuff is bad enough. Well, it turns out later on, backstage, there was a brawl where CM Punk's friend Ace Steel and CM Punk got into, got physical with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks to the point where Ace Steel threw a chair right at uh i believe it was nick jackson's eye um and he proceeded to bite kenny omega i don't know why he must be a fan of twilight or something hell i don't know but nevertheless there was a lot of suspensions that are being handed down or are presumed to have been handed down ranging from kenny omega the young bucks christopher daniels um Possibly CM Punk. Ace Steel is rumored to not even be returning to AEW at all. So there is definitely a lot going on. Um, and so it, it's, it's just unbelievable that all this is happening. And meanwhile, because remember, it was a few months ago where WWE was really struggling. Vince, the, the show's ratings were tanking. You know, stocks were down. Um, everyone was after Vince. Well, now Vince is retired from the day-to-day creative process. Triple H has taken over. Raw and SmackDown are constantly hitting um, over 2 million, and in some cases, 3 million views. And now AEW is just, you know. So, James, what is going on here? So, <clears throat> I get the idea of having a press conference right after a big championship match or or a match where you win a belt or retain it, but that's generally when emotions are the highest. And sometimes in those in those heat of the moment type, you know, situations, you're going to say things you probably shouldn't. Well, in this case, you shouldn't have said it all. You know, I first I think at first when I when I first saw it, I was like, ah, this has to be a work, okay? Because you know, CM Punk notorious for breaking down the fourth wall when he was oh, yeah. in WWE, and, and I'm sitting there going, man, there's no way this is any of this is true. Well, the more you read into it, the more you find out and suspensions, possibly, you know, people being fired and everything. It's a mess. And yeah. this is the absolute worst time that this could happen to AEW because you mentioned it. WWE is back on the rise. Triple H is in charge of creative. You've got a you've got they've, they've pretty much all unified all of the NXT titles as well. Um, you know, this is certainly bad timing for AEW. And of course, you know, Braun Strowman appears back on Raw Monday night. Um, so you're, you're at a point where when it comes down to it, 
I wonder if some of the stress, some of the strain, uh, some of the things CM Punk said, if they are true. And of course, we're, we're not inside there. We don't know exactly what's going on or what's being said. But it, it has to be, you know, I think part of that, there has to be stress because WWE is picking their product back up. And it's like, hey, we've got to do this. And we've got to do that. This worked there. This works here. You know, so you're seeing a lot of, dare I say, what caused the downfall of the NWO is happening here. You've got egos. You've got people that have their opinion. You've got, you know, guys that want to manage manage things their own way. They think this works. And, you know, in, in you know, Jag's history mentions that, you know, Alistair Black got released today from AEW as well. And, yes, and you know, Triple H was crucial in his rise um, in NXT. And I would imagine we're going to see him back in WWE very soon as well. And this is where Triple H and the rapport he built with these, these wrestlers, guys like Adam Cole, guys like Alistair Black, that jump ship, you know, I have a feeling they're going to be on their way back. And that only strengthens your talent pool in Triple H. Obviously, he and Shawn Michaels, they know how to use these guys. Well, the report coming out is also that Kenny Omega, um, Nick and Matt Jackson, Pat Buck, Christopher Daniels, and Michael Nakazawa um, are all going to be suspended for their roles in the fight. Meanwhile... CM Punk and Ace Steel will either be suspended or fired. Mm. Now, I feel that Ace Steel is going to get fired. Yeah. That's my opinion because I don't see him being integral to the part of AEW's success. But then you get to the part with CM Punk. Now, he had a meeting with Tony Khan today. Um, Tony Khan, the head of All Elite Wrestling. And the thing of it is... Tony Khan needs to get control. He needs to actually take control. You know, I've said this on uh, the WrestleTalk podcast before. Um, Tony Khan, and I probably said it on this show too, Tony Khan is like the guy that just snorts the sugar from the fun dip. I mean, he is like a more tame, sane version of Herb Abrams. And if anybody wants to get that reference... I I implore you to look up Herb Abrams, the late Herb Abrams, because he is quite an interesting character, or was. Um, but going back on the whole thing with Tony Khan and CM Punk and what's going on in AEW, there is just no set control at the moment. And um, meanwhile, MJF's returned. And John Moxley is basically carrying this company on his back. The Jericho Appreciation Society, um, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti have a lot of heat on them for their recklessness in the ring. I mean, at uh, AEW All Out on Sunday, they almost broke Ruby Soho's neck. Yep. And Ty Conti broke her nose. So there's just so much going on backstage besides what's going on regarding the backstage fight with CM Punk and Omega and everybody. Um, and Jack's history just brought this up. He would take the AEW title to a real company with a real wrestler. Um, that right there, at some point, you got to say, like, 
for everything WWE does wrong, what they do right, they do right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They for them a lot of their issues seem to be more so of the creative, and that's been taken care of. Triple right. H has done amazing. Shawn Michaels just got promoted to vice president of creative, um, developmental and creative. So, you know, things are looking up for WWE, but the thing of it is now AEW is really, really struggling. And, you know, and as we're doing the show, folks, AEW Dynamite is on live. Um, and so if there's any big news, you know, feel free to comment on it. And we'll do our best to keep you posted as we go through our AFC preview. But, James, this is just an unbelievable situation that I did not expect. And at the very least, not expect the way it did. Right. I mean, you can have a clash of personalities. You can have a a clash of, you know, we'll call them philosophical differences, which has been the quote, unquote, like the the buzzword or buzz phrase in St. Louis the last year with the with when when Mike Schilt got fired. But you, right. you can have all of those differences, but there has to be a way civilly that you can work them out instead of, you know, uh, a backstage brawl. I mean, you're right. Nobody expected it. I didn't expect it to happen in this manner. And, you know, when you think about it just all together, uh, this could be the turning point in the downfall of AEW. And, you know, I always thought that competition brought out the best in, in, in each product. We saw that during the Monday Night Wars. But... You know, this is this is where you look at some of these AEW guys and 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 just maybe, you know, you're like the, the maturation isn't quite there yet, that it's there's not a way of just sitting down and being able to work things out. But CM Punk being in the middle of more drama. I mean, imagine that. Yeah, no kidding. And, and I also one more point to this is I do find it interesting. There was an interview Triple H had done recently. And, you know, the Wednesday Night Wars, where Dynamite went head-to-head with um, T or with NXT, and for the most part, Dynamite dominated. Yeah. So Triple H has this interview uh, last week, and he says, well, good for them. They beat our developmental show. Yeah. <clears throat> and that is a burn towards AEW if you've heard one lately. Yeah, no doubt. That is just unreal to think about. So we'll see how this all develops. Um, and honestly, thanks, Jags History, for both tuning into our show and for tuning into Dynamite, keeping us posted. So they announced a tournament for the World Championship. And how about that? Two of the, two of the greatest stars in the business right now, John Moxley and Daniel Bryan, are in it. Um, I really hope Daniel Bryan, personally. That would be really cool to see. Um, but with that, James, I know everyone's looking forward to this. We are back. On the topic of football, it feels so good to be to be on it. I'm telling you. Um, first, I also wanted to show you this. So Sunday night football probably is the highest, usually the highest rated game mm-hmm. as far as the primetime spots and everything. Well, recently, um, it you know they announced that there's going to be a new um, commentary team with Mike Tr- Mike Tirico and. Um, Chris Collinsworth. Yep. Well, on top of that, um, they also have a new logo. They've had hmm. the same logo for many years. Well, now they've actually decided to um, go out with the old, in with the new. And here it is. The old one is on the left. 
new ones naturally on the right. And I like it. It's a, it's more, I mean, I like both of them. The new one's more, you know, more base, more basic, honestly, but it's also cleaner. It's more crisp. Um, and, and, and honestly, I love the old school NBC logo style it has to it. I think that's pretty cool. So, hmm. so Sunday night when it's the Bucks and the Cowboys, the logo on the right's what you're going to be seeing with it. So, I kind of, I kind of look at it. I kind of like it. So, you know, yeah. we've seen worse. Yeah, um, that's true. So, okay. With all that said, last week we, as I said earlier at the beginning, at the top of the show, last week we previewed the NFC, went division by division, team by team, um, and obviously 16 teams do not make up the NFL. There's 16 others, hence the ASC. And I just, first thing we, I got to ask you from top to bottom, is the AFC in your opinion, more stacked than the NFC? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you you look at the NFC, you look at the NFC, they're top heavy, uh, Rams, Buccaneers, Packers. Um, I guess you put the Cowboys in that. I mean, in that category is your top four. And then, you know, look at San Francisco, uh, maybe Minnesota. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, you look at the NFC South and you're talking about one team that stands out in the Buccaneers. And it's kind of like that way in the North too with the Packers. But, you know, I, yes, I mean, they, they certainly have the toughest division in football with it being the AFC West. You know, it used to be the NFC West when Seattle was relevant, but, you know, they're not going to be that way this year. So, yeah. Top to bottom, the AFC is the better conference. Yeah, the AFC is definitely, in my opinion as well, the better conference. I think when you look at the discrepancies between the top tier and the bottom tier, you know, I just think it's an overall well more balanced um, on the AFC. I agree. And so with that, we're going to go to our first division here, which is... The AFC East, which consists of the Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Jets, and the New England Patriots. Well, I, I think it's only fitting that, uh, you know, let, let's start with the Patriots. This, okay. we'll, we'll switch it up a bit, you know. Um, so the Patriots are going to be starting uh, with Mac Jones yet again. And I think he surprised a lot of people in his rookie year. I didn't expect him to do good. No. He surprised many people. I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, once again, having Josh uh, McDaniels as your offensive coordinator. Big piece of the puzzle right there. You know, and and of course, having Bill Belichick, you know, you may not like the guy, but, you know, there's, there's no doubt he's a winner. And he... Finds a way to bring out the best of everybody on his team. Um, they also finally have a supplemental run game. And on top of that, they got a pretty stacked defense. Right. You know, underrated pieces of their defense. The Patriots are the type of team to where you don't need a big-name player to make a big-time impact. That's how I look at New England. With that said, this year, it's a whole lot different. Yeah. Their star corner, J.C. Jackson, went to the Chargers. Um, 
And Brandon Bolden, one of their uh, top special teams guys, went to the Raiders. Yes, they picked up Devontae Parker, which is a good uh, pickup from um, losing to Keel Harry, who just never panned out for New England. Yeah. But this is where the biggest issue to me comes in for the Patriots. No Josh McDaniels. Right. McDaniels is gone. And that will – I think this is a crucial year for the Patriots because Bill Belichick's in year 23. This is the first year in a long time without Josh McDaniels. This is going to – and everybody said McDaniels was going to be Belichick's successor. Well, it kind of turned out the way that uh, Letterman was supposed to be Carson's successor on The Tonight Show. Right. And so now the Patriots have themselves a situation where they're just trying to find out what's to come next. Yeah, and, you know, you're, you're right. You know, you're, you're leaning on Mac Jones, getting the Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. Uh, you know, that's, that's a great weapon for him to have, uh, considering Ty Montgomery and uh, – trying to remember the other receiver that they had both uh, are on the injury report this week, you know, other than Devonte Parker, you really don't know who you're going to throw the ball to. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously more than one offensive weapon, having Damian Harris in the backfield will help him. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because you, you mentioned that Josh McDaniels, obviously he's now the head coach in Vegas with the uh, Raiders, you know, the, the, the Patriots bring back Matt Patricia, whose experiment failed miserably in Detroit with the Lions, and Matt Patricia will be their offensive coordinator. He's going to be calling their plays, and and I just I just have to wonder that you know where is so is Patricia the offensive coordinator, or is he just going to execute Bill Belichick's game plan? Because Belichick is a defensive-minded coach. He's never really messed with the offense or the offensive side of the ball because Josh McDaniel's always done that. So I, it leads it leads you to think that Patricia's going to have control of the offense. If that's the case, I'm not so sure I trust. I wouldn't put all my faith in Matt Patricia to have an effective offensive game plan week to week. I don't – yeah. And so some of the guys that he will be working with this year, you got Jacoby Myers, you got Kendrick Bourne, um, Devon, like I said, Devonte Parker. I think two of the more underrated pieces are Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. They're tight ends. Both have proved very solid in the past. I mean, Hunter Henry was basically the successor to Antonio Gates. So if that's not good for the resume, I don't know what is. True. Um, I think perhaps one of the biggest losses, though, for the Patriots, James White. I yeah. mean, here's a guy that literally won you that Super Bowl. Um, against the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, they're, they're, like I said, the team lacks star power, but there's a lot of balance still. You Like you said, Damian Harris and Ramadori Stevenson or Ramondre Stevenson, um, there's, they're going to be the two guys fighting in the backfield. Right. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how they play out. The Patriots do not have an elite number one wideout. When he was with uh, Miami, Devontae Parker was pretty much the number one wideout. But there wasn't much competition. Here, it's almost like you have a bunch of number twos that are very reliable. But you just don't have that one guy that stands out. Right. And that could actually benefit Mac Jones when you think about it, because he doesn't have to feel like he's pressured to rely on one guy. 
I think yeah. that was an I think a good issue um, or, or a good analogy to that when Baker Mayfield had Odell. Baker felt pressured to throw the ball and force it to Odell a lot, when in reality he had a lot of other talented weapons he could have used. Right. I mean, and you had you had Landry on that team as well. You, but you're right. I mean, for a young quarterback, and that's one of the reasons that everybody was like you know, telling the Patriots to stay away from signing somebody like OBJ that has such a huge personality because then you put the pressure on Mac Jones that you have to constantly feed him the ball. And I think some of the best offenses have weapons where you can spread the ball around because then it keeps defenses from zoning in and keying in on one guy and shutting your offense without making you one dimension. So, you know, I've, I've got the Patriots kind of just hovering around, and I say it, like I said last week, around the 500 mark. Cause it just can't be 500 anymore. <laughs> but I've got, I've got them, uh, I've got them at nine and eight, and I, I've got them finishing third in the division in in the AFC East. I take a look at usually at some of the teams they'll be facing this year, and I mean right away they're going to be tested against Miami Dolphins at Miami. Their defense is going to have to go to Pittsburgh to face Najee Harris and the Steelers, who we'll get to later. Then they yep. got Baltimore, then go to Green Bay, <laughs> then home against Detroit, who bet, you, you can't underestimate them. I mentioned it last week. They're one of my sleeper teams. Yeah, they're um, better. They got Cleveland. They got an easy uh, – right before their Week 10 bye, they do got kind of an easier slate with the Bears and the Jets, who we'll talk about shortly. Um, and then they got the Colts before their bye week. But, I mean, that right there is an intense amount of games as far as to kick it off. And, you know, I have them. You have nine and eight. I look at them more of uh, either nine and eight or eight and nine. I, I, they're definitely the middle of the pack of the AFC East right now. Right. They, to me, are not yet ready to really contend for that division title um they could possibly sneak in as a wild card but i see this right now as definitely just a transition year definitely not a tanking year but right. but just a transitioning year get some of these new pieces familiarized with each other i think mac jones is going to have yet another very good year but there's just a lot of rookies and a lot of guys that are new to the team that are going to have to get acclimated to the system that Bill Belichick runs. Um, and, you know, we'll just see how it plays out for them. With that, we go to the team that I had just mentioned, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 the New York Jets. Um they are quite the complicated team to figure out because I feel like they have made so many improvements to their team. And yet at the same time, I feel like they're still going to struggle. And I don't know if that's um, a sign of just how bad they were last year or what, but I'm telling you, that they've really improved their team. I mean, especially drafting Brees Hall. Yep. Um, they got Garrett Wilson in the first round, wide receiver out of Ohio State. So add him with Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Um, 
CJ Uzama from the Bengals, the tight end, Tyler Conklin in the tight end from the Vikings. And to me, one of the best, excuse me, picks of all in the draft, Sauce Gardner. Yeah. The, out, of, out of Cincinnati, the fourth overall pick, the cornerback. Um, he didn't allow – keep this in mind. I'm not talking about one year. He did not allow a single touchdown in college. That is lockdown corner work if I've seen one. Right. You know, so – I feel like, like I said, the Jets are just a very hard team to figure out. They've made all the moves that you expect a team to make to improve. But nonetheless, and they only lost, the only real loss they had of notableness was Jamison Crowder, their wide receiver, um, to the Bills. Um they got Mike LaFleur as their um, offense coordinator in his second year. Jeff Ulbrich is his second year as the D coordinator. Robert Sala in his second year as head coach. Vegas has them at about five wins, five and a half wins. I got them right now going – I got them going either 6 and 11, 7 and 10 because I feel like there's a lot of good pieces there. But Wilson's going to be out for four to six weeks. Yep. The first four weeks, and we mess, mess, yeah, mentioned this before the show, the first four games that Joe Flacco is going to be starting are against the AFC North, right. all four AFC North teams. Um, so, Jane, what are you thinking on this? On well, so, so with the Jets, and, and that's kind of where I was going to start with was the quarterback play. I, I think with the additions that they've made, obviously getting uh, C.J. Uzama from the Jets and uh, – or I'm sorry, from the Bengals, um, you know, getting those guys in there, you know, and drafting and building up your team, you know, it all hinges on the quarterback play. We know Zach Wilson's going to be out for at least four weeks. Uh, Joe Flacco, he does, obviously the four games he's going to be in there, they're not going to be easy games to win. Um, and, you know, he's going to have his hands full because you're looking at a, a division that has four of the best defenses just number-wise in, your, you know, points per game and yards per game allowed, you know, in the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. And, and you know, obviously Zach Wilson is a little bit more mobile than Joe Flacco is, and, you know, he's going to have to escape Miles Garrett. He's going to have to escape, uh, you know, T.J. Watt. He's going to have to escape, you know, you know, this person and that person. And – you know, the the Bengals are really good at blitzing up the middle, and there's not a quarterback in the league that lights pressure in their face. So Joe Flacco has his work cut out for him as a quarterback. You know, I I, I hate to see teams that can continue to struggle. Being a St. Louis Rams fan, we dealt with that year after year, whether it was Tony Banks or, or Steve Walsh or uh, Chris Miller or, you know, at times, Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, Sean Mannion. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I know I'm going to have – I'm giving myself nightmares. This is yeah. the nightmare fuel. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true, too. There are a lot of Sunday afternoons I needed either Tums or a punching bag. Yeah. Uh, I needed both. But, I mean, and that's the thing. In the bigger markets, you want to see football thrive. I mean, you know – this is it's no different than the Giants. We mentioned their poor asses last week. I mean, they can't get out of their own way. At least the Jets are trying. Robert Sala is a good coach. He was the defensive coordinator under the Niners when they went to the Super Bowl. 
he God, he gave me nightmares just thinking about when we had to face the 49ers because they always had a, a good run blitz or something up their sleeve to stop in the stymie Sean McVay's offense. So I think the Jets will get it together. It's just, you know, get through those first four games, see where you're at. Zach Wilson comes back healthy off his uh, off his knee injury, and, and you go from there. Unfortunately, I, I have a – look, I have them as overachievers. If you're saying if they've got them at five and a half, I've got them going seven and ten and finishing in the basement in the AFC East. I got them in the basement. And you know what? I'm gonna stick forward with a six and eleven record, and I'll tell you why. So look at they got a week ten bye as well. So they'll be joining the Patriots on the bye week. But look at their next um five opponents after the AFC North Gauntlet. You got the Dolphins, who we'll be covering next. Then you go to Green Bay, to Denver, home the Patriots, and then hosting the Bron- or the Bills. Okay, I doubt they're going to go 0-9 to start the season. I know they'll, they'll probably get a couple wins out of that. But that is a rough, rough stretch. It's to hard to find a win in there. It really it's is hard, hard to, to find, find a win in there. It really is. And especially when you're going to – in the hands of a 37-year-old backup. And don't get me wrong, Joe Flacco is a very good quarterback. Um, very solid backup, one of the better backups in the NFL. But it's been a while since a team has had to rely on him or be a key part of them to succeed. His Baltimore years are over. Um, so looking at the Jets right now, it, it's like you said, it's hard to find a win in there. And look at the Ravens. That that in of itself is just a horrible game to start off against. Right. You know, that's that's bigger of a test against your defense than it is anything because that's going to be you having to, to sh- try to shut down a now healthy Baltimore Ravens offense. Um, then, of course, you got the Browns, who even without Deshaun Watson is still a formidable threat. Cincinnati defending AFC champions. Um and then you got the Steelers, who got one of the top young backs in Nashi Harris. This first nine weeks is going to be just an absolute gauntlet for yeah. the Jets. It, it and really I don't, really and I think they'll have they'll have good moments, they'll have flashes, but overall, no, I see it being a last place year for them. You know, they they very well may favor that St. Louis Rams team I was talking about. And I say that because there were there was talent on that team. Don't let the bullshit Jeff Fisher era play calling fool you or Brian Schottenheimer. There was plenty of talent on that team, but they didn't, they didn't have the chef to prepare the meal correctly. He wants to go buy the groceries, but the best thing he can cook is a, is a thing of ramen and he's going to burn it on the stovetop. That's it. Yeah. And the biggest thing right now, is it going to be a sophomore jump or a sophomore slump for Zach Wilson? I just hope he can get I just hope he can get healthy and get back on the field. The kid well, has the a ton of talent. We saw it at BYU. Right. And the thing of it is, he's coming out of a class that was not really that loaded on quarterbacks. Um, it was a decent enough class. Um, but at the same time, like, I think the biggest thing – I mean, yes, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, I get it. Um, but the, here, here we go. He sprained his PCL in week seven. <clears throat> he comes out, he has a really solid uh, preseason, then he gets hurt again. And honestly, excuse me, we all thought he was done right there. 
Yeah. It looked like a torn ACL. Sure did. Everybody, Jets were biting their nails. Everybody was already throwing in the towels. And then it's like, okay, it's a sprain, like an MCL issue. Okay, give it a few weeks. But still, going into the season or like without your sophomore quarterback that you invested in in the first round and have high expectations for now that you've added so many pieces, it's going to be an uphill climb. Think about everything you just said. And think about what I compared it to. Does that remind you of a certain somebody who wore number eight in St. Louis? Yes. If that doesn't remind you of Sam Bradford, I'm not sure what does. Knee injuries? Coming out of college, it wasn't a loaded class quarterback-wise. The knee injuries can't stay healthy, and he did not produce much in his in his rookie year. If that doesn't remind you of Sam Bradford, I don't know what does. And I, if there are any Jets fans watching or listening, I apologize now for even using that vernacular, comparing him to Zach Wilson or vice versa. But that is eerily similar to how Sam Bradford's career started in St. Louis. Right. And, and oddly enough, Joe Flacco was actually Sam Bradford's backup at one time. Once Bradford had moved on in Minnesota. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. that is, I, there's a did you know <laughs> Joe Flacco in Minnesota. I well, forgot you know. about that. Um. Well, oh, and here's one from Jack's history. The only difference is Zach Wilson likes his mom's friend. <laughs> oh boy! Oh my uh, goodness! We are breaking out. The, we are Moving breaking on. the references tonight here on Roundabout Sports, ladies and gentlemen. Next Moving up, on. <laughs> so you got him. You got. I'm done. Keep going. Keep talking, Jerry. Uh, so James oh, has the, the Jets at seven and ten. I got them at six and eleven, and at the basement. <laughs> With that, we move on to the Miami Dolphins, who had one of the biggest additions this year. <clears throat> With Oof. Chiefs star wide receiver Tyreek Hill. That was, and it wasn't just Tyreek they got. You know they've acquired Raheem Mostert. Um, they got Chase Edmonds. So there's two running backs right there. Um, Teron Armstead, uh, the Saints' best offensive lineman. No doubt. And, you know, we had mentioned earlier that they did lose Devontae Parker um, to the Patriots, and Will Fuller is just a uh, free agent. Um, they have a new schedule. or uh, Not a new schedule. Everybody has a new schedule. But, but they got a new coaching staff. Mike McDaniel. I love their head coach. Year. I Mike love him. Daniel. And then Frank Smith in the year one of his uh, offensive coordinator. Josh Boyer's the um, third year, actually, as D coordinator. Vegas has them at about eight and a half wins. Last year, they finished nine and eight. Offensively, they uh, were 22nd in the league. Defensively, they were 16th in points allowed. Um, but this is the thing. They also ranked as the worst O-line in the league. Considering Cincinnati exists, that is actually amazing. And that's, actually, <laughs> that's actually pitiful. Well, well but, played. So having Teron Armstead is going to be a huge boost. The biggest question that comes into this, it's the one everyone's been asking. And first off, Tyreek Hill has been talking his talk. Can he back it up? I don't know. Because let me tell you something. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you there is just a – 
little bit of a difference between Tua Tugavailoa. Yeah, can't even get the name right. Tua Tugavailoa and Patrick Mahomes. That one I can easily get. Um, there's a little bit of a difference between him and Mahomes. And unfortunately for Tua, Mahomes is definitely better in all across the board. So where are the Dolphins at right now, James? Well, the the biggest question is Tua. You're right. And, you know, I, and I'll say this as an Alabama football fan, Tua Tungabayaloa Tunga won me a national championship and he still wasn't the best quarterback at Alabama. Jalen Hurts was. That's the funniest um, part. <laughs> so yeah, so and and I do have a very special special place in my heart for Tua, but Tua is the one that has to answer these questions. And Tyree Kill came out earlier in the offseason. I you know, Tua is the most accurate quarterback that I've I've ever played with. Yeah, in seven on seven drills where he's not being hit or chased. I mean, I could go out and throw you a football in seven on sevens and be accurate. I don't need Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or Aaron Donald chasing me down. So, you know, it's no different than going to the NFL Combine and running a 4-2-40. Well, yeah, I can do that in shorts. I don't have a bunch of pads on. I mean, let, let's be honest here. Let's be realistic. So Tyreek Hill, I get it. He wants to talk up his quarterback. Uh, and they are deep offensively, so deep, in fact, that they released Sony Michelle, who, wait, Won a Super Bowl championship with the Rams last year. Sony Michelle goes to a different team. So they released running backs, you know, here, there, and everywhere. Obviously, losing Devontae Parker may not be the worst thing that ever happened to the Dolphins either, because apparently there were issues with him and Mike Gasecki in the in, in the in the locker room. But Mike McDaniel's my dude. So I like him a lot. Uh worked with the 49ers and that staff last year. He comes over. He's got a great offensive mind. I'm glad to have him out of the NFC West. But just hearing the guy talk, he did an interview on uh, the Pat McAfee show during Super Bowl week back in February, and I was immediately impressed to the fact where I stayed in my car the rest the other eight minutes and listened to the interview. He grabs your attention. He's not afraid to tell you like it is, and he's not afraid to air your ass out in the media either. We saw, we've seen other coaches slash managers do that. Tony Larusa was one of the best. TLR was one of the best do, to do it in St. Louis. He would get a message through his players by calling them out through the media. So, you know, I like the new coaching staff. The defense, I know the points per game was 16th. They weren't the problem. Let me tell you what, that defense, a bunch of names you've never heard of, but boy, are they, they are hell on wheels as a collective unit. Uh, I think that I've got the Dolphins finishing second in the division, winning 10 games, and uh, I have them as the final wild card team in the Whoa. AFC this year. Okay. Look, man, I did my research, baby. Did my research. <laughs> you know, let me tell you. So if, if Tua actually bounces back this year, because let me tell you something. You give – the right quarterback, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. I almost and Lynn Bowden. I forgot about Jalen Waddle and hell, he was at Alabama when Tua was there. Right, and Cedric Wilson. Yeah. I mean, those four right there. And then the safety uh, and Mike the safety valve. Yep, the safety valve. Yeah. Mike Isecki, who's top ten tight end without a doubt. 
Yeah. Um, and then look at that freaking you got the whole depth of that running back room. You got yeah, Chase Edmonds, who's probably gonna start, but don't underestimate the speedy Raheem Mostert. Don't underestimate Miles Gaskin. Um and excuse me, say something happens to Tua because he's had injury issues all his career. Touchdown, Teddy. Touchdown, Teddy coming in. Teddy Bridgewater, who, once again, we go to these solid backups. Teams are really doing well for the most part on getting good backups. And Teddy, um, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jeremy. You don't have to change the offense for him either because they're nope. both mobile quarterbacks. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the same thing in Cleveland, and we'll get to them in a minute, with Deshaun and Jacoby. Because they're both mobile quarterbacks. You don't have to alter the offense whatsoever. You know, you may have to run a play to a different side considering two is a left-handed quarterback. But other than that, when it comes down to executing a certain play, you don't have to change anything. And the, and all the running backs are interchangeable because Raheem Mostert, not only is he fast, but, boy, he'll run you down too. And and the thing of it is, if, <laughs> that's why that's one thing I do like about Tua. Southpaw City, baby. Got to go mm-hmm. with these lefties because – He's the only starting quarterback in the NFL right now that's left-handed, which ah, is I didn't really, I didn't realize that. That is one interesting fact. There is only one starting quarterback in the NFL right now um, that is left-handed, and it's Tua. So, which is which is why usually um, they have so much of a um, emphasis on left tackles because usually they're the ones that block the blind side for the right-handed quarterback. Yep. Um, but nevertheless, anyway, so you got the Dolphins tennis uh seven, I'm guessing, yep. as the final wild card spot. Yep. So I definitely got him in second place. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But at the same time, you know what? I will go ten and seven. But I think they will just miss out on the playoffs. Okay. I think they will just miss out because there's, what, three wild card teams? Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's going to be three. Yeah, I can definitely. You'll see why later. The Dolphins are. The amazing analogies here that I'm pulling up about Cleveland, it's amazing. But I'm going to take it like. Uh, Cleveland in 2007 when they went 10 and six and just barely missed the playoffs. You know, that's what the dolphins are going to be like. Um, And we'll get into why later, but with that, you know, last week when we talked about the Rams, they were one of the last teams we talked about, if not the Mm -hmm. last team, because we went by division, you know, and the NFC West is usually last here. We're going to go with perhaps the AFC favorite in the first division here. That being that Bills Mafia, Buffalo Bills, where do I start with how loaded this team is offensively, defensively? First off, can we just say not only did they get Jameson Crowder from the Jets, they also got O.J. Howard, who was on the Buccaneers, to basically be alongside um, Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox, yeah. Then you got James Cook who's still um, – he, he wants to really bounce back. But then you also got – here we go. This is where it comes in. You got your Isaiah McKenzie's, your Stephon Diggs, your Gabe Davises, um, Deion Dawkins, Roger Saffold, Mitch Morse, 
Ryan Bates and David Quisenberry. That's your offense. And then, of course, Devin Singletary. Then we go flip it to the defense. You got Ed Oliver. You got Von Miller now. You got Greg Rousseau, AJ Epineza, Tremaine Edwards, Matt Milano. When he's healthy, Tredavious White. Um, and one of the best safety duos in the league, and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Ugh. This is a team that it could be easily justified to say that they are the team to beat in the AFC. Like I said, just because they didn't make the Super Bowl last year doesn't mean that they're not the favorites this year. Right. Because most people have predicted. Um, I know NFL Network had done uh, one of their shows where six of the analysts on the show, including Michael Irvin and Rich Eisen and Kurt Warner, had predicted the Bills would advance to the Super Bowl. Yep. And for good reason, because guess what? You got a top five quarterback leading all those players I named in Josh Allen. Yep. He was he has a 90.9 overall from a pro football focus. The guy is a freak of nature as an athlete. I mean, what? let's not just talk about the powerful arm he has, but we're also going to just mention that the dude is has wheels and is 6'5". And Buffalo took a chance on him. He went to Wyoming. Yep. People did yep. not think much of him -uh. at Wyoming. I remember watching um, at my friend's house, uh, Mizzou playing Wyoming when Josh Allen was quarterback. Yep. And you were like, wait, this guy's going to the track. Everybody was thinking Josh Rosen was going to be the one that was better than Josh Allen. And look where that is. You know? Yeah. I remember when he came out, Mel Kuyper, the only thing Mel Kuyper had anything any good to say about him other than the fact that he was mobile was he had a strong arm. That was it. There was no accuracy. There was no, you know, he's projected to be a star or anything else. No, you're right. It, it, Josh Rosen out of the Joshes was expected to be the superstar. So yeah. And, and you're right on offense. They are completely loaded. I, I mean, I don't know when you play them, you almost have to pick your poison. You've got to figure out what you want to shut down and then focus on shutting it down and, and trying to contain the other aspects of their offense just because they are so deep. So yet the, uh, the, the Rams, the Rams are definitely going to have their hands full tomorrow night, but even going forward, I mean, you look at the Bills' schedule, their first four games, you know, you get past the Rams, they're at home against the Titans. That's a Monday nighter. Then they're at Miami at Baltimore. And then they host the Steelers on October 9th. I mean, that's, that's going to be a tough, a tough schedule for them just because some of the defenses they're going to play, but you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see them start out, you know, you know, three and three, four and two. I mean, I really think that this is the team that's probably going to be the one seed in the AFC. You know, I have them obviously winning the AFC East. I have them at 12 and five and I have them as the, the number one overall seed in the AFC. And I say it that way because I have another team that we'll get to later on that is also 12 and five. So but I believe that they'll hold the tiebreaker and they'll be the one seed. They'll have the team that gets the buy. I just don't know how you can focus on their weapons, playing coverage for as long as you can while Josh Allen scrambles around in the backfield until somebody either hits him or he gets rid of the ball. I, it's, that's going to be the toughest thing. He is so mobile and so just precision sharp on throwing the ball while he's on the run. God, I'm telling you what, the more I sit here and think about it, I'm like, yeah, we're going to get beat tomorrow night. I just, I don't, I don't know how you contain that. I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, 
I got the Bills going 13 and 4. Yeah. I got them going 13 and 4. And I think three of those four losses are going to happen in the before their week seven bye. I think they okay. will lose. I think they will lose tomorrow night um, in week one against the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. I think it's going to be a hell of a battle. Yeah. Uh, this is not going to be not going to be a blowout for either team, one way or another. Um, I have them losing in week four. Actually, I think that I think the Ravens are going to edge them. Believe okay. it or not. Um, and then. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. No, that's not the game I have. Okay. So their week seven is their bye week, but it's the game before that and the game after it. All right. So we're ready. Uh, so I see I got, Yeah. Okay. I got a week at one. Kansas I got City. To the yeah. Rams. They got, I think they're going to lose again at Kansas City. And I think they're going to lose at home against uh, Green Bay in week eight. And and there's in their and, fourth one. Here's an interesting one. Um, and I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're um, fine. I want to see if you're going where I was going to go. All right, let's see. I got them losing on Thanksgiving against the Lions. Wow. I got that's, Detroit upsetting the Bills on Thanksgiving. I that's think, not like where I said, where that's not going? where I was going to go. I, I was, you know, they always. It seems like Belichick always gets Ooh. one at least against them. So mm. I was thinking that with those three losses that the fourth one might come when they go to New England. We know how tricky that weather gets in the Northeast during the cold months. We saw the game <laughs> the game last year where all Belichick did was run the ball. They threw the ball twice. And, I remember and that. That was great. Here for eight yards, and, and they beat them. So I think that there's, there's always that one game at New England that, you know, in Foxborough where – Belichick gets the best of uh, of the Buffalo Bills, so that's. Well, I still, I'm guessing you have them as the one seed in the AFC, correct? I have them as the one seed. Okay. Um, I think, and this is the thing. What's what's also not taking Sean McDermott, one of my favorite coaches. Um, year six, Ken Dorsey, former quarterback. Ken Dorsey is going to in his first year as the uh, offensive coordinator. And Leslie Frazier is going in his sixth year as the defense coordinator. So there's a lot of consistency going at, around. Um, the players really like Sean McDermott. Um, and Ken Dorsey and McDermott are really on the same page, it seems, with what to run. But this is the thing. the If any team – you know, you brought up a great point about the Patriots and um, the Bills, like and how Belichick seems to get the best of them once and with the bad northeastern weather. If anybody right. knows a thing or two about bad northeastern weather, though, it's Buffalo Bills fans. It's true. And Buffalo. Like, Buffalo can have worse weather than Foxborough a lot of times. I remember the Browns-Bills uh, game from, like, 2008 to 2009 when it was, like, freaking 9-6 to six or something like that. Yeah. It was an awful, just snow-drenched game. Um, with all that said, it looks like we have the same division rankings. Um, despite that, you have the Dolphins going to the playoffs as the final wild card, while I have them as just missing out. Um, Mark O'Brien over here has New England being the AFC champs. We'll see uh, – how that one plays out, um, you know. But, no, in general, uh, Buffalo could very well be the team to beat. I'll tell you one thing, though. Um, 
Our next division, folks, there is this is going to be an interesting one. This whole thing is just a club. The AFC North is an absolute cluster right now. It is just crazy. There's so many different things going on. And well, let's just get to it. So we got take, for a take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Yeah, there no you kidding. go. And at the one hour mark, folks, <laughs> thank you for joining us at Roundabout Sports on the Maestro Jeremy Carp. And then we got Hollywood James Knox. We are previewing the AFC as the first regular season NFL game is tomorrow night, where the Los Angeles Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, will be taking on. The Buffalo Bills, who we just got done previewing. Um, so here we go. The AFC North, which consists of our lovely Cincinnati Bengals, our Cleveland Browns, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, here we go. We're going to start. We're going to work our way down and up. So we're going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this... They have themselves talk about a quarterback situation. Yeah. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be their starting quarterback week one. That says a lot. Um, but that wasn't the only quarterback they went and got. They went and drafted um hometown kid Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh in the first round, 20th overall. Then in the next round, in the second round, they got George Pickens, the wide receiver from Georgia. From the Ravens, they also acquired Miles Boykin. But this is where it gets interesting. They lost Ray Ray McLeod, the wide receiver, to the Niners. Their top receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster, went to the Chiefs, who we'll be bringing up later. Um, and the biggest loss of them all, Big Ben retired. Ben Roethlisberger, their, the future Hall of Fame quarterback. How, and the thing of it is, it's not just that he played for a few years. Big Ben was a Steeler for life. He played since 2004. How do you replace that over the course of just starting one year? I think it helps that you got the second longest tenured coach in the league and Mike Tomlin on your side. This is his 16th year. But you're starting with a new D coordinator. You're starting with... Uh, Matt Canada, who's in his second year as the offensive coordinator. Vegas has him at seven and a half wins. And, you know, last year they were ranked 22nd. Oh, I'm sorry, they were ranked 21st in the points scored, 20th in the points allowed. <laughs> I'm going to just say it right now. I see Pittsburgh finishing last, but I don't see them finishing last bad. I don't think this is going to be as bad a year for the Pittsburgh Steelers as people want want to make it out to be or feel like it will just because Mitchell Trubisky is the starting quarterback. But you don't have you don't have any faith in Mitchie football? I I don't have enough faith in them to put them in second place right now. No. The only the, the re okay, if Pittsburgh finishes in third or higher, I'm going to tell you what gets you there. Two pieces. Number one, one of the best defensive groups in the league. And number two, Najee Harris. Last year when Najee Harris was drafted, I knew when that pick came up, I knew he was going to Pittsburgh. I love Najee they Harris. Did, they, they did not have 
a running back. And it got bad. It showed that it got bad because it wore down Roethlisberger because he had to throw all the time. Najee Harris from the University of Alabama. Um, so the Steelers, I have I have Mitchie football having a good year. Obviously, Kenny Pickett is 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 waiting there. This is going to be a primarily this is this is atypical and this is going to be your just your textbook West Coast offense. Run the ball, play action, set it up, you know, try to find an open receiver. The other intangible here, Mike Tomlin doesn't lose. He has not had a losing season. He does not lose. So you say you don't have enough faith to put him second. I have the Steelers finishing at nine and eight and in second place. If that tells you anything about this division. All right. You got them there. This is this is what I'm looking at. First off, the biggest weakness right now is by far the offensive line. Agreed. At one at one point, this was the best offensive line in the NFL. Right. And I'll have no issue saying that. You know, keep in mind this is like my biggest rival right now. They are to me what basically the 49ers are to you. <sighs> um. Exactly. So I've seen. I was. I've been tired of seeing them kick my team's ass all these years. But Mike Munchak was uh, when he was offensive line coach. They were unstoppable. Now it's bottom tier. Yeah. You know, bottom bottom five, bottom ten, without you, a doubt. You lose guys like Pickney and then Alejandro Villanueva. I mean, and those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're not there. Like in. And it really shows. Like I said, I feel like another reason Big Ben retired was because he was absolutely getting clobbered out there. Right. And, you know, it's I do like – one thing I like about Mitchell Trubisky is he is more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger. So he'll sure. be able to go out. You were talking about the play action. And that and they're building that West Coast offense for Kenny Pickett when it's his yep. time to start. Sure. Um, but you got guys like Clay, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. Um and but right now, James Daniels, your right guard, is definitely your best um, offensive lineman. He graded 71 with pro football focus. But look, it goes without saying that the strength of this team is their defense. First off, I'm going to say it right now. Miami should be still crying right now because they got absolutely fleeced giving away Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. They got fleeced. Like, I'd give Pittsburgh a trophy just for that. Um, <laughs> Cameron Sutton as a corner. Terrell Edmonds as their other safety. Levi Wallace as a corner. Then, okay, let's put it this way. You know, they got Devin Bush and Miles Jack at linebacker. Yep. T.J. Watt, we already know who T.J. Watt is. MVP candidate. You know, he... To me, there are three guys that have a chance to be def- uh, MVP if you're a defensive player. Um, one of them we mentioned last week in Aaron Donald. The other is TJ Watt. And the other and the third guys who we're going to be mentioning soon. Um, or at least I'm going to. But then you and then you got Cameron Hayward. A lot of people thought he'd retire, but he decided to come back. This Steelers team, if it weren't for the AFC West, who we're going to talk about later. I would say this might be one of the toughest divisions 
because they are just so close. I got Pittsburgh. You got them in second at um, what you said nine and eight, and uh, you you have them as you don't have them as a wild card, do you? Okay. No. I got them at eight and nine. I do have them in last, but if the last place team is eight and nine, <clears throat> that says a lot about this division. Well, and my last place team is eight and nine. So, you know, really, this, you said it could be the toughest division. This is definitely going to be the black and blue division. These teams are going to beat the hell out of each other throughout this oh, season. Oh, it's always like that, though. That yeah, is, I mean. It's historically, these are, because the Steelers-Raven uh, rivalry. Um, <laughs> hey, Pops KR1, thank you for tuning in. Um, but, no, Steelers-Ravens have one of the top rivalries in all of football right now. Yeah, it's true. So, no, you're absolutely right. It's so yeah, I got Steelers in last at eight and nine. You got them at nine and eight and in second place. So we're gonna move on to the Baltimore Ravens. Here, here we go with another interesting quarterback situation. Not the same quarterback situation, though. Not the same type. Okay, first off, they are working desperately with Lamar Jackson to try to re reach an extension. They are trying like hell. Because this is, I mean, this is the last year of it, of his contract, this rookie contract. He said his um, deadline's Friday. The deadline is Friday. So we're talking, um, se oops, excuse me. Um, we are talking September 9th. Yep. Is the last day for this extension to happen. Which, if you're Baltimore executives, you're sweating. Because you know you need Lamar Jackson on this team. Um, because you don't have the receivers necessary. Your running backs are injured all the time. Yeah. Lamar is a game changer in every sense of the word. There's a reason he was MVP. Look, we can make all the jokes we want about him just running all the time, and a lot of time that is what he does. But at the same time, he is such a dangerous threat athlete. Defenses don't know how to adjust to deal with them. Right. Do they, could, do they stack the box? Do they play back more? I mean, now, here's where I think the one of the big issues comes in. You lose Hollywood, you lose Hollywood Brown, and you lose Sammy Watkins. There's two of your top receivers. Um, and Lamar didn't even know that uh, Marquise Brown was gone. I know. And – it's funny you bring that up because when I when I wrote down the Baltimore Ravens and I wrote down their record, the one thing that I wrote, because I, I kind of tried to zone in on one thing about each team, the one thing I wrote after the Baltimore Ravens was like, who to throw to? I mean, you've got Mark Andrews. He's your tight end. But other than that, who are you going to throw the ball to? I mean, their, their receiving core wasn't great when Hollywood was there. Now, what do you do without him? And – you know, again, you're talking about a, a really good division with multiple looks defensively. And, you know, so I'll just make this short and sweet about the Baltimore Ravens. I have them in nine and I have them nine and eight as well. I have the Steelers ahead of them because of the tiebreaker. I have the Ravens in third. I like Lamar. I like him a lot. I, I love the people who say, well, all he can do is run and he can't throw. I, I think that's an unfair bias and an unfair 
generalization about him, but who do you throw it to? I mean, right now you're looking at Rashad Bateman and Devin DuVernay as your top wide receivers. Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle are your tight ends. Um, they have a very solid offensive line. And they went out and drafted Tyler Lindenbaum, um, and who was graded as in college for a 95.4 by pro football focus. That is unbelievable how Baltimore decided to stack it up. And of course, now you still got your J.K. Dobbins. You still got your Patrick Ricards. You know, their strength is still in their it's it for them, it is trench warfare offensively and defensively. Because you got yeah. Elias Campbell and Michael Pierce and um Justin Houston and Patrick Queen and and then in the backfield, you got new acquisition Marcus Williams and Marlon Humphrey. I mean, yeah. these guys. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're banking like offensively, wide receiver wise, just Duvernay, you know, maturing and becoming the next number one receiver. I and look, I would have gone for Will Fuller, you know. Yeah, I mean, somebody's better than nobody. I just I and that's not any disrespect to the guys they have. I just we don't know anything about them. They're not proven. No, they're, no, they're really not. That's... I got Baltimore. So this is how I look at it. I got Baltimore as, um, let's see. I got them at, I'm trying to think of what I had them at originally. I lost my uh, train of thought because I just had the Dolphins missing out on the wild card. Baltimore is one of my uh, three wild card teams. Okay. I have Baltimore, but they're they're in second place. All right. I'm going to have them at ten and seven. All right. Um, like I said, you talk about that team that just missed out because of tiebreakers and stuff. I think Baltimore is going to be the team that sneaks in, and uh, Miami's just going to be the one that misses out. Um, I think overall, Lamar's going to have a bounce back year. He had a really good year last year, but there was just so many issues going on. That that overshadowed the Ravens, right? Um, so I think this year it's going to be a bounce back year, and you know it's one of those things where it's like you got to give praise where praise is due, you know, like you last week with the NFC West. There's right. a lot of talent in your division, um, even if it's not on your favorite team. With that, though, so I got them ten and seven going to the wild card. All With right. that, though, now we come to the Cleveland Browns. This, oh gosh, where, you know what? All right, we've, where do we even start? In, okay. I'm just going to say it right now. I got him at third and I got him at eight and nine. Maybe you look stressed nine out, Jeremy. You look stressed out. Do you need a massage? Yes. Um, preferably not from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, and that's one of the big issues here with Deshaun Watson and everything that's gone on. First off, let me tell you something. If this pays off, it will be one of the greatest moves in sports history. If it doesn't, I'm going to just say it. It might be the second worst. I don't think anything will ever beat the Herschel Walker debacle. 
as far as uh, the Vikings screwing up on that trade. Yeah, man. I don't think anything will ever top that because the amount of draft picks they gave up in players and cost, you know, these days owners just throw around money more so than they yeah. throw around picks, you know. And where, did you say, where did you say you had them at? I had third? them at third place. At eight and um, nine. Okay. Yeah, either eight, nine, or nine and eight. Um, I'm still mulling on it. This is where. First, I'm going to get the pros out of the way. Actually, no. I'm going to get what they Goodness. need to improve on. First things first, they're D-tackles. Aside from – because you have Miles Garrett, who's that third MVP candidate yep. for defense. I was That's telling where I you were going. And you got Jadavion Clowney. Those two absolute monsters on the line. But interior defensive tackles, they are just young and inexperienced – you got Jordan Elliott, uh, Perion Winfrey they drafted, um, Tommy Togai, Tavon Bryan. These guys, none of them really stand out. They've all played bits and pieces, but none of them are that true consistent force. Um, and obviously when you have two of the best outside guys in the league, teams are going to want to test the D tackles more by running inside. So this is where the big challenge comes in. The second issue, wide receiver. Yeah. You got Amari Cooper as your number one. Great trade. There's another potentially fleece trade. Um, trying to revitalize his career from after really solid in Dallas. Um, right. But besides that, you got Donald Peoples-Jones in his third year. Rookie David Bell. Anthony Schwartz. I mean – that's really it as far as wide receivers because you don't have Jarvis Landry anymore. Odell's been gone. Yep. you got J David Njoku and Harrison Bryant as your top tight ends. And, look, I'm a big fan of the Chief, uh, David Njoku. I think he's going to have a breakout year. But all of this is happening while Jacoby Brissett's playing 11 games. That is the root issue with all of this. Right. And – it's not even so much – okay, let's put it this way. They got Deshaun. They got Amari Cooper. They got Jacoby Brissett. Um, David Bell, the rookie from the third round. And they got Cade York, a really good uh, fourth round uh, – a kicker from the fourth round out of LSU. Right. But here are some of the big losses. All right. Austin Hooper. Tight end that was is very talented, did not live up to the contract he was given. No, he did not. Not at all. Struggled in the blocking game and was just not much of a threat in the receiving game. David Njoku, way better. Um, then you got Jarvis Landry, which it wasn't a talent re reason for his release. It was strictly cap reasons, um, but that's the business, and it's unfortunate because – they could really use Jarvis Landry right about now. Um, especially when you have, if you have Amari Cooper, you could definitely have a Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Then Baker Mayfield. The whole aura with Baker Mayfield transitioning to Deshaun Watson. Do I call Baker May the Baker Mayfield experiment a failure? No. Do I say it didn't live up to expectations? To an extent. Do I consider him a bust? No. 
Do I think he's immature? Yes. Very much so. Um, do I feel that he could have worked out in Cleveland? Yes. But do I understand why he didn't? Yes. Right. Um, you know, the immaturity. And I'm going to also go on a mini rant for a second. A good chunk of this goes because of the Cleveland media. The Cleveland oh, yes. sports media, I'm going to say it right now, some of the worst, and I, you know, some of the worst media members, press, comes from Cleveland. Not all. I'm not, you know, not trying to alienate a market here. But if you see how often Baker Mayfield was attacked and some of the stupid-ass questions he was asked in certain circumstances by guys like Tony Grossi. I don't care. I'll say his name. He ain't going to be on the show anytime soon. I think, you know? I think, Mar- I think Mary Kay Cabot was another. Mary Kay Cabot, another. And the He thing called her is, out personally. Mm-hmm. Baker personally called her out, which, you know, there's – and in a way, she got what she wanted. Because he called her out. It gives her that attention. And well, now Baker just was in a situation where he and see that's the thing. Um, oh well, Jack's history says the Jaguars have the worst media. I'm not too familiar about the Jaguars on media group, but don't worry, um, nobody else in America is yeah. either. <laughs> see, take somebody like Cameron Justice. Perhaps sorry about the, that. No. One of the great young journalists. Um, and she covers the Cleveland Browns, um, you know, Jake Trotter, another great member right there, you know, but all these press conferences was more about random crap going on with Baker than it was actually game plans and focuses. Just, it got old. Well, Jeremy, and here's the thing you and I are, we've both been around media, been in media for a long time. I, I have a degree in journalism. You have covered different sports teams in St. Louis for KSDK on their website. You, you've done a lot. Uh, what's the main purpose? And I've been in this situation before, and I you try to come up with the dumbest thing to ask. What's the main purpose of me asking you a stupid question? To get a stupid answer. To elicit a stupid answer. And, you know... That's the thing. I will I will hearken back to a story that good friend and hopefully soon friend of the show, Brad Thompson, tells in his first post game uh, in his first post game press conference of a start that went terrible. It was in Kansas City. And this is when he pitched for the Cardinals. They say, Brad, where do we go from here? Brad Thompson being young, naive and. Yep. He goes, well, let's go find a, I guess, go find a puppy to kick. Uh Oh, probably shouldn't have said that, especially considering Tony LaRusso was one of the founders of ARF. You probably shouldn't have said that. And Brad goes on to tell the story that Tony LaRusso made him adopt the dog. So anyway, <laughs> imagine <laughs> that. it's a great story. He tells it better than I. And like I said, I hope to get, have him on the show as we get closer to the postseason. Um, but, you know, you look at that. And that's it. I mean, the whole thing is, you can even go back to the the time that the Rams were in the Super Bowl and, you know, 
DeMarco Farr was caught on TMZ with the, you know, really bad mouthing the, uh, the ballet worker. So, I mean, look, the, the obvious thing is, is media tries to elicit a stupid answer and Boston media. We have another one. Uh, Mac O'Brien says the Boston yeah. media. Is yeah, I was going to say, Mock brought up that the, uh, yeah. the Boston media. And so I here's the thing. That. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I think it's all personalized to where you're at. I mean, Colby Rasmus and his father will tell you that St. Louis media is the worst. Brenda Warner will tell you that St. Louis media is the worst. I mean, go Mike Keenan. Of course, Mike kind of well, burned a trail. He, he burned, say, he burned a trail a across little, America. It was a little justified. But <laughs> the point is, is and, and, and back to back to Mock's point, he, he asked the question. Uh, a little bit about 10 minutes ago, asking what's the deal with Stafford's elbow. Uh, Sean McVay came out earlier this week. There is no hesitation to have him throw the ball 50 to 60 times if he has to tomorrow night to win that ball game. Uh, it's nothing different than what he dealt with last year is what McVay said and that they have been uh, treating it the same as they did last year. If that's the case, hopefully the same result. Anyway, back to where we're at with the Browns. I agree with you. Well, and one more before I give you my record where I have the Browns. Baker Mayfield and Colin Cowherd have exchange punches as well verbally so, started on Callan Coward that could be a whole different show like, I I know I, I I know but what is his his job is to elicit a reaction and he does it whether it's positive negative or, or whatever else Jeremy I'm sorry I have the Browns at eight and nine and I have them in the cellar of the AFC North but see when you look at the schedule you look at the circumstances eight isn't the worst eight and nine isn't exactly you know, an end-all, be-all. But this is the pros of where what I have for Cleveland. Best running back duo in the league. They are, and they are, they're trying to keep Kareem Hunt. Um, but Nick Chubb, top five running back, top three, in my opinion. I think he only – the only two running backs to me that Nick Chubb is behind is Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. Um, okay. Top offensive line. I mean, don't even get – Very strong tackles. You got um, Jedrick Willis and Jack Conklin at the tackles. Jedrick Willis does need work in the passing game. But you want to talk about their uh, strong tackles? Strong guards is where it's at. I mean, let me tell you something. Wyatt Teller at right guard and then my personal favorite, um, got an autographed jersey of his and everything, Joel Batonio. Yeah. Whopping 936 Pro Football Focus rating last year, highest rating, the highest rated guard last year, one of the highest graded offensive linemen in general, um, and has been a consistent, constant force for Cleveland since 2014. You know, and the only down part of this right now is that um, they did lose uh, starting center Nick Harris for the season to an ACL tear. And then they lost his backup, uh, Dominique Dawson, I believe, or Mason, to an ACL tear the next, basically just the next couple days after. Um, they do, J.C. Treader retired. He was originally released. When these injuries happened, I hoped that the Browns would have resigned Treader, um, the NFLPA president, actually. Um, but he did retire after, oh gosh, quite a few seasons. Nevertheless, you know, Ethan Pochett, um, is their new starting center. But look at this other defense here. We got You got yourself Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom on the outside at corner. You got Greedy Williams at the slot. 
you got John Johnson the third and Ronnie Harrison Jr. At, at safety, along with Grant Delpit, who's had a much better, who had a great bounce back year. Get out of LSU. Yes. Anthony Walker is their middle linebacker. But let me tell you right now, on the entire team, especially the defense, you know, everybody talks about Miles Garrett, you know, of course, why not? Talk about Denzel Ward, why not? Right. The biggest guy to watch out for this year for Cleveland, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, the linebacker. Bless you. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, absolutely dominant out of Notre Dame. Cleveland took him in the second round last year, and everybody doubted, you know, had a phenomenal first year. People doubt it because of a heart defect that he has, you know, with yeah. health issues, you know. Obviously, he was he was dropping off boards. Cleveland took him in the second round. It paid off. Look for him to make another big impact this year, a really big force to be reckoned with. Like I said, one way or another, whether I, I, I'll put him because I'm looking at the schedule they got. And, you know, they they finished last year 20th in points scored, but they were tied for 13th in points allowed. Um, they were six and run offense. But see, this is where it, the second half, it gets tricky because they play the Panthers Sunday against Baker Mayfield, play the Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons. Those right there are all winnable games for me, in my opinion. But then you get to the Chargers, the Patriots, the Ravens, the Bengals. You come back right away. You face the Dolphins, the Bills, the Buccaneers. Yeah, the, you the know, second half, boy, the second half of that schedule is something else. That And that's yeah. where I have them struggling. I have them entering the bye week struggling, and I have them leaving the bye week struggling. Gotcha. But it's those the first, first start and the second end that I have them going really well. So – yeah, I'm split between 8-9 and 9-8. Nine, nine I don't have them going to the playoffs this year. Um, I think Deshaun Watson coming back is, you know, it's going to be a long wait. It's going to be worth it in, in the end of the day. But, yeah, we'll see. One team, though, that you cannot doubt, the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champions. If I tell you right now, it is a good thing they, if anything, guess what? They invested even more in their offensive line this offseason. They got Ted Karras from the Patriots, Bill yep. Collins from the Cowboys, you know, right there, two great starts um, for their O-line. Um, Joe Cool, the, the Joe Cool Jr., if you want to call him. You know, everybody calls Joe Montana Joe Cool. Joe Burrow is something else. And I'm going to say it right now, probably they have the best receiving core in the NFL. Oh, hands down. Uh, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Now they got Hayden Hurst at tight end because C.J. Uzama left to go to the Jets. Overall, like, it's it's something. I'm I'm ready. So... I'm ready to see how the Bengals do this year. And this is an interesting thing that's going on. Actually, as this show is airing, I have a fantasy football draft going to my left. That is that's the funny thing about live air. Never the, nevertheless, Cincinnati, one of the top teams in the AFC this year. But can they replicate the success of last year? I don't know. What I do know is that I have them winning division at 
12 and 5. Well, oops. Well, you've got a fantasy football draft going on. I've got a I've got the, the Cardinals game on. Um, so I have the Cincinnati Bengals winning the division as well. I had them 11 and 6. Uh, and that's the two things I brought. The two things I wrote down was Joe Burrow and the offensive line, both which uh, they've retooled the offensive line. I think Joe Burrow can only get better. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't know if the kind of success they had can be replicated. Generally, the loser of the Super Bowl has the hangover. Uh, we'll see how that affects them. But I have them winning the division with a record of 11 and 6 and the overall three seed in the AFC playoffs. Ooh. Okay. So let's also not forget Joe Mixon. The top yeah. 10 running back right there, still young. And he also takes a load off of Joe Burrow. That's the big thing here. Joe Burrow needs a load taken off of him because, I mean, remember, he tore his ACL in his rookie year because the offensive line didn't exist, and he got absolutely clobbered. Yeah. He got his ass kicked. And, and that's what happened to him in the Super Bowl, too. Yeah, that's what happened in the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald literally got triple teamed, and he still got through for the sack. Yep. Triple teamed, folks. Three defensive or three offensive linemen try to contain Aaron Donald, which either is, you know, um, indicative of Aaron Donald's strength or just the weakness of the offensive line. Nevertheless, the Bengals stocked up more on their offensive line. They've really tried to bolster this offense. Um, that when I look at their defense, oh, I mean, if, what what are your thoughts on them? I mean, I, I think ultimately, I think the Bengals just coming together as a, a cohesive unit. I mean, they had some injuries last year too on that on that offensive line that didn't protect him. Um, like I said, I mean, I, I think ultimately they have a better year, but I think they learned their lesson from the postseason and the Super Bowl because you know, look, Joe Burrow had the Bengals at midfield driving in to win that game. And you get a guy like Aaron Donald that just comes through and, and, and wrecks shop. And ultimately that's how it ends. So, you know, I, I, I think the Bengals come back uh, strong and uh, 11 and six, like I said, I've got to miss the three seed uh, going into the AFC playoffs. Yeah. I got to miss the three seed as well. Um, and We'll see. The eight, like I said, the AC North is very close. When the last place team is eight and nine, first place team is pro, are predicted to be twelve and five, which seems to be the way the consensus for most analysts across the board. You know, there's not much more you can say. But the division we're about to cover next, there might be an interesting amount you can say. That being the AFC South, host to. The top two running backs in all of football, Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. But the teams consist of the Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts, um, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Lord have mercy, the Houston Texans. Okay, we're just going to get this out of here now because I'm sorry. There's not much to say about them um, because and whatever there is to say about them, it's not good. The Houston Texans. Okay. Vegas has the Houston Texans at four and a half wins. I probably so, got one right. Yeah, there you go. They got them at four and a half wins. 
Look, they have one of the better drafts, though. They got Kenyon Green in the first round. They got Derek Stingley, the corner from LSU, in the first round, number three overall. They got Damian Pierce in the fourth round, a very good running back. They got Marlon Mack. Um, they released Marlon Mack. And then they released Marlon Mack, but they yeah. didn't get him. But, and Damian, Damian Pierce will be their starter. Yeah. But – and I'm going to say it right now. They have one of my favorite head coaches, one of my favorite coaches in football, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. I freaking love Lovey Smith. I liked him when he was in Illinois with the Illini. I liked him when he was with the Bears. I liked him when he was with the Rams. Mike Martin. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So Lovey Smith, a great defensive-minded coach, and I think that's where they're trying to go because let me tell you something. The offense is ass. I'm right. just saying it. They don't have an I offensive got, line. Like I got them. Or where do you got them, James? Dead last at five and twelve. Ouch. I I got them at dead last at three and fourteen. Good lord. I I do not think it's going to be. You know what? I take that back. I'm going to go four and thirteen. I I still I think they'll get some wins, but it's going to be because of Lovey Smith's attitude. I agree. Lovey Smith is going to, and and I don't think it's going to be a one and done year for him either. Even though I don't, they're I don't, gonna, I don't think no. just because they're going to finish dead last, in my opinion, um, I don't think it's going to be a one and done year because they're still working with, and they got Pep Hamilton in his first year with the West Coast offense. Um, but you got Davis Mills, and let's say this: we've talked about teams that have had bad wide receiving groups. That's one of the strengths of the Texans. Yep. You got Brandon Cooks, you got Nico Collins, uh, Chris Conley, Philip Dorsett. You know they have a pretty solid group right there. And, and Davis um, and Davis Mills did grow some between you know between the beginning of last year and and, and the end of it. I I still don't you know he he still got a way to go. But I mean maybe it's just run the ball. You know you're talking about again a traditional West Coast offense where you know, you just run, play action, try to, you know, misdirection in the backfield and stuff like that too. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I really think five and 12, I mean, maybe we see them take a, another step towards, you know, improving, but yeah, it's tough. It, it's tough. And especially because of the division you're in, you know, AFC South used to be like one of the worst. They have really upgraded lately. And, you know, the big thing comes out of just the fact that, I don't know. I, just, I, think the, I think the AFC South is one of those divisions that is all predicated on quarterback play. It is, and if that's the case, you know, the short end of the stick goes to Houston. Right, for sure. But, but the AFC South should also be the division that should be um, dependent on the run game because so, – Oh, go a ahead. Little bit of, a little bit of breaking news from the NFL here while we sit here. Uh, this from uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Hashtag Rams and right tackle Rob Havenstein are closing in on a contract extension that will bolster his spot among the top 10 highest paid right tackles in the league. Wow. I mean, well-deserved Super Bowl champ. Been, been with the Rams this whole time. Yeah. You know, he's definitely should have, should have got a raise anyway for just dealing with Jeff Fisher. Yeah, I was going to say, well, shoot. I mean, a lot of teams. Yeah, no, no. Um, but nevertheless, so yeah, we both agree Houston's in last. They're going to have a rough schedule from the jump um, because they're going to be playing the AFC West this year and the NFC North. 
Yikes. Um, I believe. Well, no, actually, they'll be playing the NFC East and the AFC West. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't help much because the no. AFC or the NFC East is not as bad as it's been. So with that, there wasn't much to say about them. But here's a team that one of the most improved teams of the offseason. And I cannot emphasize enough how well they've improved. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. The Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, this is Trevor Lawrence's second year, but they got Christian Kirk, the $70 million wideout. Um, Evan Ingram, tight end from the Giants. Zay Jones, Brandon Sheriff, Darius Williams. Uh, they drafted Snoop Connor, the running back in the fifth round. And in the third round, they drafted Luke Fortner, a center. So yep. the only real big uh, departure was DJ Shark. This is Doug Peterson's first year after being with the Eagles for many seasons. Um, and Jags history is excited because says, finally, we have a real coach. Um, Doug Peterson, former NFL quarterback, but has surprised many as a head coach, leading the Eagles to a Super Bowl win. Um, you know, Jaguars were last in point score. They had the worst offense. They had the worst point differential because they allowed over 450 points. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know. Well, I, um, I, th I think what you look at, too, is, I mean, last year injuries as well, uh, running back James Robinson. Um, but even more so than that, you know, I look at the, uh, I look at the Clemson connection here or, TNT, if you will, Trevor Lawrence and Travis NTN, you know, Travis ETN got hurt last year. Didn't, didn't take a snap in the regular season. Uh, you know, NTN shows any kind of burst of speed. I know it was a, you know, an Achilles injury, I believe it was last year that yes. ended a season, but you look, you know, you look at these guys and they have two pretty good running backs as back there as well as long as James Robinson can hang on to the ball. That was his big problem last year was he couldn't maintain control of the football. But you look at that, you look at the uh, the Christian Kirk, you, you, you look at the weapons that Trevor's going to have. They've upgraded their offensive line as well. You know, I think the Jaguars have improved. I think Doug Peterson is a good coach, but I don't have them getting over the hump just yet. Uh, I do have them finishing third in the division. I have them at a record of seven and ten. But I mean, that's look, that's market marketedly better than how what it has been in uh, in Duval County for a long time. I got I got them going um, probably seven and ten. You know, James Robinson is going to be the starter week one. And look at this. But look at this though. You got Trevor Lawrence, who's now going to be throwing to Christian Kirk, uh, Laviska Chanel, Jamal Agnew, Marvin Jones. Um, Marvin Hall, Zay Jones, and Laquan Treadwell. And, He's and, got Evan Ingram, Dan Arnold. I mean, that's a pretty solid, underrated group of. If, uh, if Marvin, if Marvin Jones can get back to any, just any piece or part or shadow of him of what he was in Detroit, then Trevor Lawrence and Marvin Jones will be a, a really, really interesting connection and hookup for that division. Yeah. I, I see them going seven and ten. You know, it's definitely going to be a bounce back year for Jacksonville. 
I do you, not. You have to have shot. There has to be signs of improvement. There has to be. There's going to be because two words, Urban Meyer, he's not yeah. there. That's why. Like Urban Meyer was as toxic as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so no, it is. Yeah, I'm just for their sake. I am very glad that Urban Meyer's gone. Doug Peterson's in. They got some stability. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. They haven't doubted that. Right. Um. So, yeah, we're just going to see where it goes with Jacksonville. But one thing is for sure. We're now going to King Henry's court. Yep. And it's time to look at the Tennessee Titans. Okay. It's simple. Derrick Henry has maybe two years left, maybe three, and I'll tell you why. Because this guy is one of the greatest running backs of all time. And he's being worn out. Yeah. Like, because Ryan Tannehill is not that guy. He's a game manager, but he is not the guy to get the Titans over the hurdle to win the AFC South, to win anything truly meaningful in the postseason. It's Derrick Henry's show. And in the right. past, when they've advanced, it was also because – you had guys like Kevin Bayard on the defense, Logan Ryan on the defense. You know, you've had a solid group on both sides of the ball, but they've gotten there despite Ryan Tannehill, not because of him. Right. And that is one thing that I think um, they need to really realize on the Tennessee Titans. And now on top of it, you know, now you've gotten some good. In fact, you know what? I take it back. You know what? They did realize it. You know why? They drafted Malik Willis. Yep. And, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not getting any younger. They drafted Malik Willis from Liberty in the third round. He was projected to be, you know, higher than that, but he, he dropped. And I think that was just because this was one of the weakest draft classes for quarterbacks in years. It really absolutely was. Another reason I feel like the Titans are going to struggle, and it's something I was actually going to get to, um, it was Harold Landry tearing his ACL in practice. Big piece of their defense for the Tennessee Titans. Um, but they lost A.J. Brown. They lost Julio Jones. Deontay Foreman. Yep. They pick up Robert Woods, but Woods is recovering from a torn ACL, so he's not even going to be ready right away. No. Um, You're looking at November. Yeah. Then you got Austin Hooper, who is looking to bounce back after a disappointing stint with the Browns. They do got a great head coach in Mike Rabel. I'm a fan of Mike Rabel. Um, you know, it's it, – Tennessee is just a middle-of-the-pack team. Well, I don't see them making any big noise. I I don't. I really okay. don't. I don't see th I see them going shoot. I see them going 9 and 8. I've got them place. I've got them at 10 and 7, second place in the division, and I have them as the number 6 seed. I have them as one of the wild card teams in the AFC. Really? I think they ride King Henry and uh 
they cross that drawbridge into the postseason. Fair enough. I think I think King Henry will actually break two thousand yards this year. I think he does too. I, think I, th- he I really 2, do. Two thousand yards. Um, does he break Eric Dickerson's record? He's going to come close to it. He's going to come really close to I, it. I, I believe he does. I'm surprised it actually hasn't happened already with how much they've run him. But no doubt. he will. I think he'll break two thousand yards this year, and that'll just cap off. That right there will cap off a potential Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Completely. So, but here we come to who I feel is going to, and I'm sure you do as well, <laughs> win the division. And let's put it this way. Since the Indianapolis Colts are just one of those teams that have had a history over the past 20 seasons of great quarterbacks and yet not much success with them. Can't get out of their own way. They had Peyton Manning from 1998 till 2011, basically. One Super Bowl win. They had Andrew Luck for a few years. One of the best. Couldn't protect him. He's one of the best uh, quarterbacks to have come out of college this century. And they couldn't protect him enough, and he got hurt too bad. He had to retire because of concussion-related symptoms. Then you get Phillip Rivers, Hall of Fame quarterback, and it doesn't end well. No. Then you get Carson Wentz. Then you get Carson Wentz. That is all I really needed to say. Now you got Matt Ryan, who, if it wasn't for one absolutely imploded Super Bowl, you could make a Hall of Fame case for him. Yep. Because he has been unbelievable every year. He has never had a bad season. He just had one bad Super Bowl, and it wasn't even a bad Super Bowl on his part. Bad quarter. He had one bad yeah, – exactly. It wasn't even a bad Super Bowl. It was a bad quarter. Yep. But that cost him. And now you have the future – him and this guy and Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, right now is one of the it guys Right. when it comes to running backs in the NFL. And let's not underestimate, on top of that, they drafted in the second round Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, wide receiver. They already have Paris Campbell, Kiki Cutie, and one of my favorite young receivers in the league, Michael Pittman Jr. And that's that's, that's kind of where I was. Know, that's when you know we're old when we remember his father playing. Oh, I was afraid you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of where I was going to go. Is like I didn't even put Jonathan Taylor. I didn't even write him down because it's a given that he's going to give you the production that you expected to get from him. It is Pittman. And Kiki Kuti and Paris Campbell are those are the three names that I wrote down because there is no more T.Y. Hilton, you know, and and Marvin Harrison sure as hell is a walking through that door. So you know these these receivers need to come into their own, and you know, and I I firmly believe they will. I think my, Matt Ryan said uh, in an interview that training camp wise that he's he's got great chemistry with his wide receivers, which is obviously what you want to hear. Um, oh, yeah. You know, Jack. Uh, Jack Doyle as the tight end, you know, there's chemistry there as well. So, I mean, yeah, I've got him at 10 and seven as well. I have them holding the tiebreaker over the Titans and I have the Colts as the number four seed being the last division winner in the AFC. I got the Colts as um, 10 and seven and I got them 
as the four seed as far as because I think they're the lowest. They are the right. lowest rated division winner. They'll have yep. the worst record among the division winners, but I don't think they're a bad team. I think, Shaquille, I think Shaquille Leonard is going to have another great year, which is Agreed. so weird pronouncing it Shaquille as opposed to, you know, Darius, but, you know, to each their own. Um, I also do like that they have uh, DeForest Buckner on the D-line. They got Rod, former St. Louis Ram, Ronnie McLeod at, at safety. They got yep. uh, Julian Blackman. And then let's not forget, they still got Stephon, or Stephon Gilmore, mm-hmm. who at one point was basically the top corner in the NFL. Right. It's dipped down. Injuries have hampered him a little bit, but at the same time, he is still a force to be reckoned with in the secondary. Indianapolis yep. is going to reign supreme in the AFC South this year, and I'm very much so looking forward to it. In my predictions, of course. So with that, we get to our final division, folks. And remember when I said... I do not have the Dolphins as one of the wild card teams. This is why. Mm. Because of the AFC West. We got the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, and the Las Vegas Raiders. That means you have three of these teams going to the playoffs, right? Yes. Okay. I have three of the three fourths of this division, in my opinion, is going to the postseason. I'm guessing. If, if, if I'm going to go out on a limb, I'm guessing the Raiders are the team you have out? Yes, the Raiders okay. are the team I have out, but it's still not far away. Well, is, Like I said, this is a very complicated situation. So we'll start with the Raiders, if you're fine with that. That's fine. So let's – James, you kick us off with the Vegas Raiders. Well, really, I think the biggest, the biggest addition is Devontae Adams. I mean – you know, on the offensive on the offensive side of the ball now, you've got, you know, obviously Derek Carr has more weapons to throw to with Adams. He's got Darren Waller. Um, you know, he's also got uh oh all of a sudden I can't remember the other receiver's name. He also has uh Josh Jacobs in the backfield as well. Yes, yeah, Hunter Renfro. Uh so you you know, you've got you've got these guys where He's got weapons, and, you know, really, if they can protect him, he may very well throw for over 5,000 yards this year. They're going to be, I think, a a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants offense. The other big addition comes on the coaching staff. Josh McDaniels is your head coach, and we talked about him earlier when we talked about New England and, and all of the success that the Patriots had, you know, offensively when Brady was there in, in Mac Jones's first year. You know, this is where the offensive mastermind is now in terms of, you know, being a head coach and being able to have, you know, kind of run his own team. I think they improve. I have them at nine and eight uh, tied with the Broncos record wise, but I think the Raiders have the tiebreaker and uh, I've got them third in the division. I really think that the addition of Devonte Adams is worth at least one or two wins. So with the Raiders, you know, let's put it this way T. you know, the, <laughs> The Raiders, I got them going nine and eight. Okay. But they're in last place. Right. And the reason is Derek Carr has also is is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been underrated for years. He has had so much success, yet not much to show for it in terms of postseason success. He really is an enigma. 
when it comes to being a, a quarterback in the league. It really is. It actually blows my mind in a, in a way. Um, but I look at the Las Vegas Raiders. They got Josh Jacobs, who was a really solid running back, had an amazing year last year. They gained Devontae Adams, best wide receiver in the NFL, top guy. Um, they got Chandler Jones, a veteran edge rusher from the Cardinals, who's been there his whole career. Demarcus Robinson from the Chiefs. They got Keenan Cole from the Jets. They have they drafted Zamir White, a good backup for. And first off, he was the leading rusher in the in the college football playoff championship win for Georgia, eighty four yards. Yes. You know, I, yeah, I know it breaks your heart, but <laughs> then they got Josh McDaniels, who we were talking about. He may not be the successor in um, New England, but he's now head coach finally at long last in in Vegas for the Raiders and his style I mean it's it they're going to be running the Erhart Perkins scheme you know very solid enough scheme for Derek Carr they were 18th in points sco- scored the big question though and they also got Darren Waller let's not forget Darren Waller another top tight end the problem is they're going to probably crumble under the fact that they got to deal with not just one tough division, but two, because not only do they have the AFC West to deal with their own division, which I don't think they're going to win many games in. I maybe have them winning two games out of their own division. Um, I also see them, they're going up against the NFC West. Yeah. The NFC West is going to be ungodly difficult. They're going to be facing the AFC South. They, their defensive line, aside from X Crosby, will not stop Derrick Henry. Agreed. It will not stop uh, Jonathan Taylor. Mm-mm. You know, I see them beating Houston and Jacksonville. But other than that, I do not see much from this team as right. far as top competition in such a different – you put them in different circumstances, put them in another division, it's a whole different story. They are extremely talented, but not talented enough to take that next step just yet. Agreed. Uh, I think offensively, they're very well set, a dangerous threat. But I think defensively, if if I want to compare them to anybody, I'm going to compare them to the 2000 Rams. Yeah. Very great offense, but defense just leaves a lot. With cheese. A lot to be desired. A lot left to be desired. So got the Raiders in last, but nine and eight. This is where it gets oh gosh, James. What are we gonna do when you have three elite teams? Well, <laughs> I'll I'll tell you what I did. I put the Denver Broncos last in the division, tied with the Raiders at the same nine and eight record. I think it's tough. And you look at the Broncos wide receiver core. Yes, they've got Jerry Judy, they lost Tim Patrick for the year. Um yeah, and I understand that you add Russell West or uh, Russell Westbrook. We're playing basketball now. Russell yeah. Wilson, um, you know, into <laughs> the mix. But I just, I don't defensively. I'm not sure. And look, I know Patrick Sertain, uh, you know, anchors that cornerback core back there in the backfield in the defensive backfield. I just, I don't know defensively if they have enough. And. Let's face it, Russell Wilson is not the Russell Wilson that won the Super Bowl for the Seahawks. He's not the same guy. And so, you know, I, I don't, and I just, 
I don't put a whole lot of stay a whole lot of stock in the Broncos. I know a lot of people are excited about them. Of course, Russell Wilson has the huge extension, which boy, that's going to come back and bite the Broncos here in a couple of years when it's a fifty-five million dollar cap hit for in in the quarterback spot. But I think the Broncos go nine and eight. I still think they're just an average team. Um, and I mean, I just I don't have a lot of stock. If I was a Denver Bronco fan, I guess you're happy with nine wins, but I still don't have them in the playoffs. Right. I Denver to me is one of the most improved teams. Obviously, Russell Wilson is one of the biggest moves of the offseason. Him and Deshaun Watson are the two biggest um, offseason moves in general. And it still blows my mind that Russell Wilson, after all these years, is a um, Denver Bronco. They got Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. They got DJ Jones from the Niners. They drafted Nick Benito from Oklahoma, who I am actually a big fan of. I looked up a lot of film of uh, Benito's um, in the second round. They did lose Noah Fant and Teddy Bridgewater, but... um, Bridgewater was basically just a filler quarterback. Unfortunately, the Drew Locke experience didn't work, um, or hasn't worked, I should say. Um, no offense to the Seahawks, like I said. Nathaniel Hackett is in his first year now as the coach, as the head coach. Justin Oten is the first year as the as offensive coordinator, and Ijero Evero is the first year as defensive coordinator. It is a whole new haul with Denver. And that will obviously raise a lot of question marks for people, and understandably so. That is why I do have them in third in the division, because there is a lot of new faces, a lot of new strategies to put together. But you still got your Kareem Jacksons. You still got your Justin Simmons, your Patrick Sertain the second. Once again, another guy that we remember his father playing. Right. Um, Brandy, or not Brandy, Bradley Chubb, Deshaun Williams, um, Ronald Darby. Then you go to your offense. You got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And to me, we were talking about top um, wide receiver groups. This is right there in the top three for me. Denver Broncos with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and um, KJ Hamler. Tim Patrick, if he didn't tear his ACL, would be up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, things happen. So I just – yeah. I I got Denver going 10-7 and seven, but making the playoffs. I got them going 10 and – do I – yeah, I got them 10 and 7 and making the playoffs. I had to be like, wait a minute, are we sure about that? Yes. I got the Broncos 10 and 7 and making the playoffs. And, you know, there's, there's just so much to enjoy about this team, but I think it is going to be held back by the fact that they do have a lot of work to do getting to know each other and getting this whole thing, the whole team gelled offensively. Right. That said, I don't think it'll be hard to. I just think it's something that, you know, especially with a first-year head coach and a first-year coordinators on both sides, it just takes time. That's all. And I think if you're in Denver or if you're a Broncos fan in general, you have a lot to look forward to. This AFC West is going to be competitive for years to come, and you guys are going to be right in the thick of it, not having to worry about what the hell are we going to do a quarterback because Drew Locke is your quarterback. Right. That's the biggest no, thing. Seattle, Seattle has that problem now. Seattle has that. That's a Seattle issue now. Not, yeah. a, not a Denver problem. 
But there is something that is still a Denver problem. Oh, boy, is it. And they go by the Kansas City Chiefs. This, okay, look, we're just going to say it. The, the Kansas City Chiefs, though, they still got the top top dog in Patrick Mahomes. They really do. The problem is they lost one of his top weapons. Yep. And um, that guy was Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. Nevertheless, and for those just tuning in, welcome to Roundabout Sports. Maestro Jeremy Carp, alongside uh, Hollywood James Knox, we have been previewing the AFC, and we are now heading into our final division. We are <laughs> actually halfway through our final division, going into the Kansas City Chiefs now, the AFC West. Like I was saying, Patrick no, Mahomes. Wait, hang on. If you're just now tuning in, where the hell have you been? You've been you missed a hell of a show. That's what I'm saying. You're missing out. Go yeah. back, rewind, rewatch. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. We're all over the place, folks. That's right. Um, but they lost Tyreek Hill. They lost Daryl Williams, Byron Pringle, and Demarcus Robinson. So three wide receivers right there they lost. But yeah. with that said, they gained three wide receivers. But <laughs> you're going to love the analogy I'm about to bring up. Okay. Um, so they got Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going to be yep. taking over Tyreek's spot right now. Um, yep. Although the speed aspect definitely goes to McCole Hardman. Um they acquired the Randall Gritchick of wide receivers and Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah, I like that one. Because Randall Gritchick would either hit a home run or strike out. Well, MVS will either catch a big deep touchdown or he will drop an easy slant wrap. Yep, it's true. And there's no other way to put it. Um, and then they drafted Sky Moore. Sky Moore, yep. the second round from Western Michigan, ultra talented wide receiver. And you already know that Patrick Mahomes is going to look his way a lot because he definitely wants to have guys in there for the long run. As after all, Patrick Mahomes is not old yet. He is in the prime of his career, which given what he's already done, you're saying he's just now in the prime? Oh, he's going to be around a while, folks. Whether you like it or not. The And they also – now they also acquired Ronald Jones from Tampa Bay. Yeah. So why is it with all these acquisitions, I do not have the Kansas City Chiefs winning their division? Oh, I don't either. I have the Chiefs at 11 and 6. I do too. And the interesting thing, and of course you've got one of the greats in Andy Reid as head coach. I feel like this is one of those things where the reason I don't have the cheap, they but one of the other, other big losses they had was uh, the Honey Badger. Yeah. The Chiefs, to me, I feel like they got one of the top offensive lines. They got a great young defense. They got great offensive weapons. So why do I not have them at first? It's just one of those things where it's like the old saying, there's always someone bigger. There's just always a team better. Yep. And I, it just so happens that one of those teams happens to be in their division. Right. This is not a knock. This is crazy to think, but this is not a knock on the Chiefs. It's just it's more of a compliment towards the team that's above them. And and I'm with you. I've got the Chiefs at 11 and 6, second in the division. I had them as the first wild card, the first wild card team in the five seed. 
Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you. I mean, for all the right reasons and for everything you said, they just happen to be in, in the same grade and in the same classroom and playground as the, you know, the Los Angeles Chargers. And I still think this is going to be a very solid defense. I agree. I think the defense, which, you know, I remember when they had Priest Holmes at running back and Trent Green at quarterback, they had the, yeah. the top-ranked offense and the worst-ranked uh, defense. Um, so Eddie Kinnison at wide receiver. Yeah, and Eddie Kinnison at wide re- Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's uh, there's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, throwback. Uh, Very much so. Never, nevertheless, and Dante Hall. Yeah. Oh, Human joystick. Yeah, the human joystick. So, nevertheless, with all of that, what is the thing about the Chiefs that's the biggest concern? Well, if it's to me, the biggest concern has to be the defensive front outside of Chris Jones. Yep, you're right. Now, they got George Carlofosidis. Oh, God, I cannot pronounce his last name. Holy shit, I cannot pronounce his last name. But I really want to because he's a great defensive end from Purdue. Um, and they signed Carlos Dunlap, but there is no, there's no guarantee that they're going to have the impact that Melvin Ingram did. Right. And that's the thing. Melvin Ingram, when he was traded midseason last year, was a huge boost for the Kansas City Chiefs. He exceeded all expectations. Now, by his standards, offensively, Patrick Mahomes had a down year, but they were still second in the NFL in passing offense. Right. Um, and only behind the Rams. So, and Mahomes can pull plays out of his ass and do things that nobody would expect any other quarterback to do. That is what makes him the, the top dog, the guy to beat. Or so we think. I'm just so torn on the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I love them to death. I love seeing them succeed. I love seeing them thrive. But at the same time, there is just a lot of question marks with this team. Right. And rightfully so. So here's my question for you. Despite the fact we had them in second, are the Chiefs, Still an AFC powerhouse. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I think you can argue that the Chargers, the Chiefs are powerhouses. The Raiders and the Broncos are still a tier below them. Uh, I put the the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals in the same category because I think they all offer their own characteristics to be considered powerhouses. So, you know. And and like I said, the Chiefs, I don't they they're not rebuilding, they're re, they're retooling. There's a big difference. They're recruiting, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're just, you know, they they're just overhauling the engine, you know, and, and they're still gonna be a formidable foe. I mean, it's just the way it is. But you know, like so just looking ahead, you know, we're we're gonna talk about the Chargers next. Like the dividing line between those two teams is so small. That it's really in in my rankings and in my standings, it's one game, and it's the it's the game that the Chiefs are going to have to go to Los Angeles and play the Chargers in. You know, I've got the the Chargers at twelve and five, winning the West, and I've got them as the two seed in, in the AFC. So, I mean, yeah, but that could be interchangeable, just like the Titans and Colts could be. 
There are so many teams where that dividing line is so minuscule. This just happens to be one of those pairings. There's never been a season where every team in a division, yeah, in a division finished above 500. The closest well, happened was in 2008 in the NFC East, where the last place team finished with an eight and eight record. Yep. But, but they go by, if they go by our standings, this will be the first year. I think this will happen. I think this will be yep. the year because look at your quarterbacks. Derek Carr can be considered. If Derek Carr is considered the fourth best quarterback in your division, like that right there just says it all. Then you got Russell Wilson. You got you know you got Justin Herbert. I still put Mahomes above Justin Herbert as a quarterback. If we're going on right. an individual basis, but as an overall team, and like I said, we're about to transition to the Chargers. Kansas City is definitely regrouping. They fought like hell to get to the AFC title game. They fought like hell to stay in the AFC title game. They almost made their third Super Bowl in four years. They've made four straight AFC title games. But the thing of it is, they the way it ended was just it was heartbreaking. Right. You're a, you're a couple bad play calls away from being in the Super Bowl against the Rams, mm-hmm. which to the majority of the NFL, that is the dream Super Bowl that you want to see after their amazing game back in 2018 on Monday night. You know, fans have been dreaming of this game. And mind you, that game was with Jared Goff at quarterback. So imagine what it'd be with uh, Matt Stafford at quarterback. For no the doubt. I th- also think this is make or break for Clyde edwards Elaire. This is the make or break season. Because now you truly have a really good running back behind you in Ronald Jones. You know, in the past, you've had guys that could supplement now you got a guy that could take that starting spot and hold on to it if you struggle. He is not right. the first. He is. He could be considered a bust because he is not what they envisioned for a first round pick. Yeah. They they took it was a gamble, it was worth taking. But guess what? They could have had Jonathan Taylor, and I think they eat that eats at him every day. Because if you have a team with Patrick Mahomes and Jonathan Taylor, I mean, just like the Bears could have drafted Mahomes. I mean. It's, it's just one of those things where it's you just have to build with what you got now, you know. Yeah, and but it's because of that that they're in one of the situations, and we haven't even talked about the man who's the number one target has been for years, and even at his, it, he's probably thirty two years old, I believe, thirty two, thirty three. Not yep. stopping him, Travis Kelsey. You know, Travis Kelsey is still an absolute force. He's the reason the Chiefs made it as far as they did in the playoffs last year. Um, And don't underestimate their special teams either. Harrison Bucker, one of the top kickers, probably only behind, you know, Justin Tucker and a couple others. So overall, the Chiefs are great. They're going to finish in second in my, in our opinions, 11 and six, or I'm sorry. Yeah, 11 and six. So with that, we come to our final team, the Los Angeles Chargers. They have the best dual threat back in the NFL in Austin Eckler. There's nobody that comes close. Um, second place to me would be like Cordell Patterson. But yeah. as far as dual threat running backs go, Austin Eckler's the man, the go-to. You got... Um, your Keenan Allen, you got your Mike Williams, then you got your Justin Herbert's leading the way at quarterback, which 
right there, those four guys just instill fear. Um, you also have Joshua Palmer, Jalen Guyton, um, Gerald Everett at tight end. They did lose Jared Cook over the offseason, but um, <clears throat> over, overall, and this is the biggest thing. They drafted a guard, uh, Zion Johnson, in round one. And then I'm going to name you two guys that are why I think the Chargers are going to win the division at 12-5. and five, And they're going to give absolute hell to every team in the AFC this year. Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson. And J.C. Jackson is going to miss a little bit of time. He's a little banged up. I think they're saying that he's going to miss the opener. But nonetheless, I mean – you're talking about a yeah. You're talking about a lockdown corner that I mean is they that that's the one thing they needed to do. I mean, you got Darwin James back there, and now you've got J.C. Jackson. You've got Khalil Mack. You've got Bosa up front. I mean, my goodness, the one thing they needed to to sure up was their defense, and they were able to do it. the The play calling probably needs to get a little bit better. Let's not. Let's not keep going for it on fourth down. Let's learn to punt. Let's learn field positioning. Let's learn to, to play it safe at times instead of uh, how I play Madden. So, I mean, sure. you know, you gotta, you've got to be able to be a little bit more just pointed with your decisions. Although, hey, if, if he, he has, he's shown his team that he has all the confidence in the world in him, and that, that matters just as much as executing plays does. It does. And, you know, last year – the Chargers ranked fifth in points scored. The problem was they were 29th in points allowed. Yeah. Now you got one of the top safeties in Derwin James. You got a great young, or you got Joey Boza, who's still in the prime of his career. He has injury issues, but he is still one half of the amazing Boza brothers. Too bad they're not on the same team. I think they're right. still badass. Nevertheless. There is a lot going on with the Chargers to look forward to. You know, I think having J.C. Jackson will be huge in order to maintain good coverage out there so they actually can, you know, not be 29th in points allowed. And let's also not underestimate the offensive line. Rashawn Slater, top left tackle. Matt Feller at um, left guard. Corey Lindsley hit center. The new yeah. rookies, Diane Johnson at right guard. And Storm Norton at right tackle. 10th ranked overall right there by Road Wire. 10th ranked overall offensive line. That said, everything we've talked about about the AFC West is going to, by the, especially the praises we've given the Chargers, they're going to have to prove it because in week one, they're playing the Raiders. In week two, they're going to Kansas City in prime time. Yeah. That right there, you know – that right there is not the best way to start out your season having to go there. And on top of that, they end their last three games of the season hosting the Colts, hosting the Rams, and going or I'm sorry, they're going to Indy. They're hosting the Rams and they're going to Denver. This is yeah. not an easy schedule by any step, means. Step in the playground and punch the biggest, baddest dude right in the nose. Exactly. You want to be the first place team, you got to play like the first place team. You yep. have, and on top of that, the Chargers have have not had this much hype surrounding them since the prime years of Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates. Back, even the years when LT and LT yep. was on the team, 
you know, we're talking 2006, 2007 years when they yep. were a force to be reckoned with. Once right. again, though, that was when they also struggled on defense. There you go. Um, so they're trying to rectify those issues. And it's interesting because when you're being picked as a division winner over the Chiefs, normally the Chargers are just talked about in wild card conversations. Yep. Now they're being said, touted to be above the Chiefs in the division. That says a lot. That says there's a lot of people that have a lot of faith in you. And there's a, definitely a lot to look forward to with this team, especially, well, I mean, let's face it. You also got Brandon Staley in his second year, Joe Lombardi in his second year, yep. Ronaldo Hill in his second year. They've got a very solid base there. It's just about keeping up, keeping tabs with it. Pretty much, and when when Staley was named head coach for the for the Chargers, I mean that was the thing everybody you know he come over from the Rams staff and he had learned under Sean McVay, and you see kind of some of that that wild that wild west kind of mentality where hey we're going to go for it here we're you know we're going to kind of buck the trend and and try to shake it up. But you're right, I mean they're in a division with three other teams that it, that's going to be a real fun division to watch as we go throughout the season. But you know. When you when you look at it and wrap it up as a whole, you asked me this question at the very beginning of the show: Is the AFC the better conference? Yes, top to bottom, they certainly are. Absolutely. So now we come to the part where we get to our postseason. Now we've established our wild card teams and our division winners from the AFC and last week the NFC. For the NFC, who do you have in the NFC Championship? In the NFC Championship game, I've got the Rams and the Buccaneers. I'm going to really shock people with this one. I'm going bold. I'm really going bold with this one. I got the Rams and the Eagles. Whoa, okay. I got the Eagles. I think they're going to slide under the right. I think the O-line injuries are going to come back to bite Tampa. I think the lack of a solid wide receiver group is going to come back to bite Green Bay. Um, San Francisco, they're going to be a team to beat in the future, but with Trey Lance, they're still working out. I think they're still going to need a lot of things to work on. Philadelphia has an overall balanced team. It just may not be elite, and I don't think it'll be elite enough to beat the Rams in the NFC title game, but I think they'll be able to get to that point where um, – they can at least give the NFC a run for their money. Okay. Because remember, I have them winning the division, and yep. I have so I'm going to go bold, and I got the Eagles going to the NFC title game, but I okay. got the Rams winning it. Okay. So with that, we move on to the AFC. Who are you, who are you thinking? So, looking at the AFC title game again, you know, I've I've got. This is going to break Chiefs fans' hearts. I'm aware of this, but I've got oh, the no. Bills and the, I've got the Bills and the Chargers in the AFC Championship game. I got I, this is going to be, be this is going to become one of the best new rivalries in the NFL. I got the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC title game, okay. and it's interesting because we just talked all this praise of of the Chargers, but once again. The reason I have the Chiefs in the AFC title game, this will be, I believe, the fifth year in a row if they make it, because unlike Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes has been there. Okay. 
He's been there. The team's been there. He's the leadership on the Chiefs outweighs the leadership on the Chargers. And that right there, because football is more than just physical, uh, natural talent. It's mentality. And the mentality of the Chiefs is it's not, oh, no, we didn't make the Super Bowl last year. What are we going to do? It's, hey, we didn't make the Super Bowl last year. We didn't win it last year. We got, we're got. we regrouping. We're refocusing. We're taking these new pieces, and we're going to kick ass, and we're going to try to run it back from a couple years ago. Like, you know, and I know running back is actually for back-to-back, but I know Kansas City wants to keep this, this going. They've made three Super Bowls in four years, and they're going to look to make it four and five. That said... Now that we got our title games, I I already know who you're gonna say for the NFC. Who it's gonna be the Rams, isn't it? Yep, I do have the Rams in the Super Bowl. Fine. But who's your AFC? I'm genuinely intrigued about this. I think honestly, I think it's probably I, I think that tomorrow night's game is a Super Bowl preview. I think it's the Rams and the Bills. Now, it would not surprise me if it ended up being an all-LA Super Bowl. God, nobody wants that. I don't want that. I, I, you don't no. want to alienate yeah, but- the rest of the country. But uh, I do. I honestly believe that tomorrow night's matchup between the Rams and the Bills is a Super Bowl preview. The interesting thing, I really – Really want that Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. I think it would be fun. That fans like you and I, that folks like you and I, that analysts, journalists, everyone else out there has been wanting to see for years. Yeah. And I think it will happen. But I don't think it's happening this year. I think the Bills are coming in to this season a lot more energetic than any other team in the NFL. I agree. There is so much about this team. And I think if nothing else, remember, I just said this is going to be one of the great new rivalries in the NFL. Mind you folks, the chiefs were the ones that beat the bills last year. Yeah. So the bills are the ones that have a lot to prove. Right. I think the Bills are going to face the Rams in the Super Bowl. And it's going to be a great Super Bowl. So, James, and and first off, Jags history says the same thing. Rams versus Bills Super Bowl. And I feel like that's the overall consensus, which is why I love it if we're surprised with another one. I always love a good surprise. So here we go. This is big. And And who do you have? winning the Super Bowl this year. And well, I mean we're talking uh I I think the Rams I think the Rams win the first meeting between the Buffalo Bills, but I think the Bills make the proper adjustments in the Super Bowl to finally get their Super Bowl trophy. God that that hurt to say that. But you know, again, I think it I think it will be obviously one of the most high scoring Super Bowls in NFL history as well. This is what get your popcorn ready. 
I yeah, get the popcorn ready. This is going to be absolutely wild. Here's my thing. Um, I just I don't even know. Like I'm absolutely stumped. You know, because it's a hard one to pick. It's a hard one to pick because back and forth, it is just an unbelievable team. Two unbelievable teams. But this is where I have it. You got Josh Allen going in there. You got this young Buffalo Bills team. The Buffalo Bills are a young team full of absolutely talented guys with a lot to prove and a lot of pressure because they're – I'm I'm sorry, you know, say what you want about Detroit and Cleveland. Buffalo might be the most cursed sports franchise. Because guess what? Cleveland and Detroit at least have championships. Yeah. Buffalo went to four straight Super Bowls and lost each one. Some of them bad. <laughs> the Rams have some have future Hall of Famers on their team. And this is what I think is going to happen. Based on this prediction, and I'm hyping it up as best I can, I think the Rams are going to run it back. I think they're going to win. At the very, It's going to be another close finish, and I think Aaron Donald's going to retire. Wouldn't surprise me if Donald retires. I think Sean McVay rides off into the sunset with him too. I think if Aaron Donald wins the Super Bowl this year, that is it. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, hey, for the NFC West, that's the greatest thing you could imagine. Right, right. For the rest of the NFL, everyone's going to be breathing a sigh of relief. But I think the Bills are going to be that powerhouse along with guys like – along with teams like the Chiefs. The AFC is going to dominate for years to come. It's true, yeah. But I think this is going to be the last – potentially last NFC Super Bowl win for a while. Gotcha. And I think it's going to be the Rams – I think Stafford could – if Stafford wins, I think he'll retire. I yeah. think most, uh, this – the thing of it is, this is going to be a league-defining year. This would be like riding off into the sunset. I mean – Exactly. Be, it's no better off than to go out on top, you know. People were expecting the the Buccaneers-Chiefs one to be Mahomes beating Brady, Brady retiring, riding off in the sunset, the whole new era of the young guys. Well, Brady went in, kicked his ass. Um, and here we are. But the NFC right now has Brady, Rodgers, and Stafford. Stafford, I see him with the best overall team. I see them winning the Super Bowl, and I see multiple players from that team retiring after the year. And like you said, even McVay riding off in the sunset, he very well might. Right. You know, as for Buffalo, look. You know those two too early predictions for next year? <clears throat> don't don't be surprised that Buffalo goes back. It's true. Buffalo is not a fluke. They are no. not a one-hit wonder. They're not a team that just snuck their way in or an underachiever. No, this is a team that is a powerhouse in the AFC. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Them along with the Chiefs, those are the two. I don't even put the Chargers and Bengals there yet because they really haven't been as consistent with it. At least the Chiefs and Bills have, you know. So there you got it. I got the 
Rams beating the Bills, and you got the Bills beating the Rams. Yep. It's it's a mouthful. Um, and I'm ex- – oh, excuse me. I am excited for next year. I'm excited for – I should say this year. Right. It's just – Excited for tomorrow night. I'm excited for tomorrow night. Before we go, before we close up, what, we got to show them what jerseys we got we, we're wearing tonight because okay. the fans don't know. So you got to tell them which one you're going first. All right, so – I've got the uh, I've got the uh, number ten, the uh, Cooper Cup jersey on tonight, going with the uh, the uh, dark blue home one. So the uh, the Rams are wearing the alternate ones tomorrow night. The one the one I was wearing last week, the uh, the Matt Stafford. So so here we go. This is fun. Anybody that knows me knows that I'm a fan of uh, of veteran players, um, especially kickers. So with that, I am rocking my all-time favorite kicker, although he caused me a lot of heartbreak over the years. Yeah, me too. But thankfully, he did not cause me heartbreak while wearing this jersey. Yeah. I'm wearing an Adam Vinatieri Indianapolis Colts jersey. And we're talking like back from the old Reebok NFL PA days. Look at that logo. So, I mean... Like I said, when he was on the Patriots, that's usually when he broke my heart. But the NFL all-time leading scorer right here, Hall of Famer, I'll take it. Ah, well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Before actually, before we close, James, what's the latest from the St. Louis Cardinals game? Got to get you don't want to you don't you don't want to know you don't want to know. Did a one nothing lead. Jordan Montgomery gave up a run, tied it at one, and then a. Uh, a bunch of errors, including one from Nolan Gorman that should have gotten the Cardinals out of the inning into the eighth inning. The uh, Nationals now lead the Cardinals four to one. Oh, actually, now it's five to one. I just is it five one now? It's yeah. five one now. Ugh. Wow, yeah, so, James, look what you did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it. Is this this is what you get for wearing a Cooper Cup jersey. Yeah, that's okay. It. Well, folks, this has been an amazing show, and we are pushing past the two and a half hour mark, and it is. <laughs> This is exactly why we did a special start time of 7 o'clock Central tonight. We knew this was going to happen. We planned ahead, Ooh. and here we are. Past so, my bedtime. Yeah, I was going to say, it's past your bedtime. It, I would say it would be past mine, but I'm an insomniac, so what the hell do I I am, too. I'm going to go play Madden. <laughs> Same here, honestly. I'm about to pop in Madden, too. Nevertheless, folks, let me tell you something. Thank you so much for tuning in. Before we go, you know, we always want to talk about how in the world we live in today, there's a lot of things that go on. And, you know, I struggle with mental health issues. I know James uh, struggles with it as well. And there's a lot that goes on. Understand, though, that there's always help available for you. Um, for 24-7, you can call the NAMI hotline for mental health awareness at 1-800-950-NAMI. It's open 24-7, um, 365 days a year. And also, folks... Unfortunately, I know a lot of people that have sadly taken their life, whether it be in the wrestling industry, whether it just be, you know, in my life in general. Um, you know, and it's a heartbreaking thing to go through to to hear and to, and to witness. Understand that you are never alone in life. There's always someone out there that loves you and cares about you. The suicide and crisis lifeline is dialing 988. It used to be just a full phone number, but now it's shorter. Understand that you're never alone. Someone out there loves you. James loves you. I love you. 
Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Roundabout Sports presented by Interstate 70 Sports Media. And be sure to catch us next week at 7.30 Central Standard Time. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Interstate 70 Sports Media. Um, and we're on YouTube at Interstate 70 Sports Media. James and I are both on Twitter. You know, we'll keep plugging the socials out there, but... In all seriousness, yes, understand that you are always loved. Someone else cares about you, and there's always help. 24-7, 365, 366 on leap years. So thank you so much for tuning in to Roundabout Sports. I'm the maestro Jeremy Carp. He is Hollywood James Knox. And remember, life is a book full of empty pages just waiting to be written in. Make your lives worth reading.